We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Notre Dame fans, welcome back to another edition of the Irish Breakdown podcast. It is the recruiting hour, and my name is Brian Driscoll. I'm the publisher at irishbreakdown.com, and I'm joined today. This is our first official show with both of my recruiting guys, Ryan Roberts, which is to my left, right? Sean Davis, they're holding the foundation. See, Sean's at the bottom because he's the foundation of this thing, right, Sean? That's what I'm rolling with. Uh, and uh, we've got some very interesting topics to discuss today. A couple, first, a couple just items to, to get off to the beginning, and then we'll dive into, you know, there's a lot of talk about where Notre Dame needs to recruit. Where are the best players and those type of things? And Notre Dame's in a really unique situation. And I think that there needs to be a a, a, a specified plan for what they're doing. I don't think Notre Dame can just, let's just go find the most random good players we can find. There's always, you know, hey, look, you go where the best players are, but I think there needs to be a strategy of really what the focus is going to be, and that's going to be our discussion today about what we think those regions should look like, and we'll give some numbers and some data to support those type of things. I know one guy's going to mention New Jersey. I don't want to point fingers on who that's going to be. I know one guy's definitely going to talk about Illinois. Again, I don't want to point fingers and you know say who that's going to be, uh, but uh, that's what we're going to get into today. And, of course, one guy, I'm not going to say who's going to talk about Virginia. You know, uh, so we'll we'll dive into all of that today. To begin with, Ryan Notre Dame made another off, a very intriguing offer out today uh, to a 2023. I guess he's a running back, but kind of an athlete kind of guy, yeah. and that is mm-hmm. Jeremiah Love out of Christian Brothers uh, in St. Louis, which is an area that I promise you we will discuss later today during the show. But uh, very intriguing offer, Ryan. I know that you you popped into kids' film as you were putting the, the article together about the offer, and he's, he's got some intriguing skills. No, he absolutely does. And I know it's been obviously a big talking point amongst Notre Dame fans if Notre Dame is going to take a second running back in the class outside of Cedric Irvin Jr. And it looks like they are at least interested in the conversation because they just offered, like you said, Jeremiah Love out of Christian Brothers, who, look, the first thing that we're going to talk about is the three-star ranking across every recruiting platform, right? Like he's a he's a mid – yes, and on threes rankings, which we will discuss, okay, they got okay. a couple things right. They actually had him as a top 200 player. So he okay. up. So Okay. Yeah. So on, before on three that, ha- when you wrote the article, he was mm-hmm. – you, you were correct. 
Yes, yeah. So on three, apparently, in, in the new rank, he has him updated a little higher. Most at this point do have him as a three-star. I think 24-7 sports had him the number 23 running back of the country, a three-star. But when you look at the offer list, that speaks volumes, in my opinion. It was his 24th offer. He has LSU on there. He has Notre Dame, obviously. He has Oregon. He has Stanford. He has Nebraska, Alabama. Washington, Alabama. Like there, there's a lot of obviously big interest. And he also has Princeton. So he's obviously an mm-hmm. eye academic kid as well. So mm-hmm. six foot one, 195 pounds. He has that long frame. I got a kind of like some Josh Adams, yeah. Tevin, Tevin Coleman type of vibes, yeah. right? Because he is a Tevin Coleman. Who, who? Hold on a second. Tevin Coleman. Why does that name? <laughs> Did he, didn't he rush for like 2,000 yards in college? Yeah, I heard he had a decent running back coach too when he was. Uh, what was that guy's Indiana. name? Oh man, Sean, help me out here. What was the name of his running back coach? College. Oh, um, his last name sounded something like McCullough. Uh, D D Dylan McCullough, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. What's he up to these days? Hmm, I'm curious. Sorry, Ryan. I'm in one of those weird moves today. Weird. <laughs> I, I like the Josh Damn. Adams comp though. When I that's what I was thinking about Notre Dame. He's a real. He's not quite as mm-hmm. tall as Josh, but really long-legged dude with that real high knee running style. Yes. Right. So yeah. Con- please yeah. continue, Ryan. Yeah, no, no. I mean, it set it up perfectly. He's a he's a high-cut kid. He is a let's get a foot in the ground, let's get vertical, and he's got the home run speed. I mean, he's he's mm-hmm. a double for the track team for Christian Brothers. He's a 10, 700-meter guy. So this kid has a lot of speed. Uh, averaged over 10 yards a carry last year was uh, I think just short just south of a thousand yards only 95 carries so he was over 10 yards a carry 14 touchdowns uh, he averaged more yards per carry than he did per reception last year which is a pretty crazy mm-hmm. stat to look at so this kid is a there, there's talent here and, and I think that mm-hmm. the offer list speaks volumes to the caliber player this is I'm, I'm happy to hear that on three had him higher in the ranking than where he is on other recruiting they platforms. didn't get it all He's wrong they didn't get it all get it wrong, wrong. They, they got, got a lot of it wrong, wrong. But not all right. of it. <laughs> well, they got this one right. Notre Dame adds what seems to be a very talented running back to the board. Let's see what obviously happens and materializes from here on out. But he is an impressive offer list. He's obviously a very talented athlete, if nothing else. And Notre Dame obviously sees something that they like in Jeremiah Love. You keep saying that, talented athlete. And, and I think that hits the nail on the head because when you watch the kid play, he's not necessarily a great football player yet. He's looks like a track kid that's starting to learn how to play football is what I saw from film. And, and again, you see that long stride and sometimes those long strides get him in a little bit of trouble because he doesn't have, you know, he gets, you know, you need to turn those long strides up once you get in the open field, but you need to be a little bit, you know, have a little bit better base in the backfield, but that's part of it. But man, you see him when he gets a crease and he gets an open field, he's going, I mean, he's, he's, you can see that speed really mm-hmm. pop up but the 95 carries is also evidence that you know the kid obviously still is learning a lot about the game of football so uh i, I agree and and he's got some athletic traits that make you think the guy that really popped in my head athletically josh adams makes sense as a running back but the guy that athletically made sense to me cj Procise. you know just kind of similar body type you know is going to be a thicker framed kid i think than than josh adams was in my opinion and a guy that maybe could be a uh, something else down the road. Right. No, maybe not just a pure running back. So very, very intriguing offer. And obviously the next step we'll be trying to get him on campus. So that'll be the next step for Notre Dame. But I, I like kids like that, guys. I think that there's always a need for, hey, let's take a chance on a kid that's got a great frame and, and great athleticism and say, hey, look, this is what we get paid the big bucks for, right? Is to teach kids how to play football. 
You know, and I think that's something I'm very curious to see with this staff because I feel like confident coaches love kids like this. Because, like, well, mm-hmm. I can coach the kid up. I mean, just give me the God-given ability. I can coach him up, right? But I can't coach you to be a 10-7 in the 100-meter dash. I can't coach you to be 6-1-195, right? I, I, can, I can coach you how to take a handoff, how to get on your track, how to make moves and all that kind of stuff. So very intrigued by, by that offer. Yeah, fellas, man, just to mention, you know, I reached out when I saw it on Twitter that he was offered. I reached out to Carl Reed, who was a coach in that division, and Coach Christian Gray. Uh, most people will know Christian Gray is a DB 2023 offer and target for Notre Dame out of St. Louis Demet. He's out of the same conference, a highly competitive conference as Dismet. Christian Brothers actually beat Dismet twice, gave him their only two losses last season. They've beat him several times in recent years, Sean. They beat him at least once when Jordan Johnson was a senior there as well. I think they might have beat him twice. The playoff matchup wasn't even close. Yeah. In his words, he texted me today. He said he's big time, elite, legit speed, great balance, and vision. Mm -hmm. So obviously they've tabbed what this kid is. You talked about Mm -hmm. Josh Adams. I'm very interested in how they use him. And you were Mm -hmm. kind of tapping into that a little bit, Brian. It's going to be amazing because usage-wise, he might end up being closer to C.J. Procise mm-hmm. as far as maybe being in yeah. the slot, sliding into the backfield for certain downs. Right. But the other thing he said, when they played us, he always made the game break and play. The game would always be right. close, and he was the guy that made the game break right. and play. So. Like what, what we don't know right now, Sean, is can he he's still developing as a guy had 95 touches as a junior, right? Like yeah. is can he be in can he be in every down back? I don't think we know the answer to that yet. But mm-hmm. to your point, CJ to me shouldn't have been in every down back. I still feel like if they would have done a better job of using Josh Adams and using Dexter Williams, even though they were just okay. freshmen, yeah. using them more once Torian went down, maybe CJ doesn't wear down and get hurt late right. in the year. Like he did. And I would have loved to have seen what Notre Dame could have done in the Fiesta Bowl with a healthy CJ Pro size to go with a healthy Will Fuller and some of the other guys that they had. So, you know, that those are things you kind of look at and say, what the very least he can give you sort of like Ryan, you know, you talked about Tevin Coleman. That's how Mm -hmm. they use Kevin Tevin Coleman the year before he really took off, right? Is, is, you know, he was more of that home run hitter. No, he mm-hmm. became an every down back. I was a 2014, I think, is when he had the breakout year. He had over 2,000 yards and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, yeah. the year before, he he was he didn't get as many touches the year before. You know, he got 131. Yeah. Steven Houston got 112. The quarterback carried the ball 85 times. They had another guy, D'Angelo Roberts, carried it 52 times. So, you know, they kind of split those carries around a little bit. Then, of course, the next year, Tevin went off. But – you know, the 2013, he averaged he had he only carried the ball 131 times, right? And mm-hmm. and you know, barely over 10 a game because he played nine games that year. But he had 12 yeah. touchdowns, 7.3 yards per carry. You know, I mean, the next year he rushes for over 2,000 yards, but he averaged seven and a half yards a carry, right? <laughs> Long strider, you know. So Dylan McCullough's kind of had shown he can have success with that kind of back. And and I yeah. and I found that I find that very very interesting. Jordan Howard was also kind of a longer back. He was like six one, if I remember correctly, coming out. So yeah. he has mm-hmm. shown that he can kind of work with those long striders and find a great deal of success uh, with them. So I find that very intriguing. And this is kind of the first, I would say, and I, I don't know who offered him 
I'd have to go. I forget. I don't know if he said in the tweet about about that. Let me go see if he he uh, if he said which Notre. He didn't say anything about uh, so Dre Brown looks like Dre Brown was the guy that offered him. Looks like at least that's the only Notre Dame coach he tweeted. But this is kind of the first running back we've seen offered since Dylan McCullough took over. So I find yeah. that interesting as well. So I find yeah, yeah we'll see how it I mean, goes. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's all about obviously identifying those players, right? And and the offer list, I think, speaks for itself more than anything. And I, I kind of like the usage conversation that you're talking about a little bit, Brian, because one thing that I put in the piece that's going to be up on the site soon about the offer is I feel like he's a really nice compliment to what they have already in the class and Cedric Urban Jr. I feel like they kind of complement each other well because I, I, I don't know if you would ever call Cedric a dynamic player, but I think that the consistency approach that he brings to the game, the dependability that I feel like he could be a guy that could carry a decent amount of volume. And then you mm-hmm. add in this speed that mm-hmm. love has potentially if they're able to land it. I feel like that's a decent pairing. Yeah. At least skill sets mesh pretty well. Together. Right. Absolutely. And Ryan, you, Ryan makes a great point because we talked to Dylan McCullough at the uh, media breakout sessions. He talked about the room he walked into at Notre Dame and the different styles is the way he would set up his running back room. So who's getting ready to leave more than likely will be the first one to leave? The slasher, the guy with the elite speed, yeah. Chris Tyree. So it makes sense that he would identify a guy like this that could possibly be in that same mold and also be on special teams and say, oh, he'll fit Chris Tyree when he leaves. I'll still have Logan Diggs. I'll still have – And Jadarian Price fits that as well. Right. Absolutely. So it makes sense. Yep. Yeah. And, and you know, one thing I think that's an advantage where NFL backgrounds, like I used to be very much against bringing NFL coaches to college football, very much against it 10 years ago. But I feel like there's so much more carryover now yeah. schematically and with different things that they do is it, that now like guys like Dylan McCullough, who, who has sort of an NFL background recently, but is more of a college lifer, right? Up until that point, the thing that the NFL brings that I think, I think the the college game has actually been, in my opinion, ahead of the NFL in some areas schematically in the last five, six years, you know, and where you're you're seeing more of the college and NFL coaches kind of following each other. You know, it's why, you know, you, I think I, I feel like the college game really came with the RPOs correct, like hard before, you know, maybe the NFL game, at least that was kind of my read on it. But the point is. One area where I think the NFL has been really way ahead of the game, and by it's on it's it's something I think the college game needs to catch up on, especially in this era of transfers and things like that. Is in the NFL, it's become so package oriented, situational package oriented, right? And it, it it yes, it's that way on defense, but it's becoming more that way on offense as well, where especially at running back, and I think that that one of the criticisms we've had, at least, well, let me rephrase that. One of the criticisms I've had at Notre Dame uh, in recent years is they just haven't played enough depth when they've had it, right? Sometimes you don't have the depth. I mean, there's been years where linebacker, like you can't play your number two linebacker because there's a big drop-off between one and two, right? They had some issues like that at D-line in past, past years, right? But now, like receiver in recent years, running back, where we've complained, like, why aren't they playing more guys? You've got some really good players. Like, why did it take Chris Tyree getting hurt this year for Logan Diggs to get on the field, right? Uh, why did Audric Estime get carries in one game? And then when he got carries, like, this dude can ball. Like, what? you couldn't find a role for this guy somewhere? In the NFL, like with Dylan McCullough, if you guys go back and look, he didn't have a, he didn't have a number one back. 
I mean, there was one year that I don't even think it had a single back at 500 yards rushing in 16 games because the, the, in the NFL, there, there's more of like, okay, this is our package. And I feel like if they can, if they can bring that to the college game, that should really help Notre Dame because that's a better way to say, I got these three backs that can all play. Let's find roles for them. Right. And I think that's an important thing. And then that's also going to leave you more susceptible or likely to go out and find more versatile players that can do multiple things. It also means you're not going to be afraid to bring in a guy that right now maybe can only do one thing. And that's the thing about Jeremiah Love is maybe right now he's just a home run hitter. And Ryan, to your point, and Sean, you mentioned this as well, maybe he can develop that entire package. Maybe he can. But if he can't, you at least know he's bringing this one thing. And you can use that. But if you're a program that doesn't know how to use sort of niche players or role players effectively, then you're going to be less prone to, to, to go after a kid like that. And I like I think that's a positive thing for Notre Dame. I really do. Uh, well, to, I, I've to, said give it. Give me the, more I, Xavier Watts. Give me more guys like yeah. that and not fewer. Yeah, well, I've said it in the past, Brian. I feel like the, this Notre Dame coaching staff, at least the, the ideology behind recruiting right now, is they are really trusting their staff because they're going after big-time athletes. Like we talked about Darian Gallette last one, right? The the linebacker, obviously, that that is by some accounts only a three-star by depending on what recruiting database you look at. But then you look at the numbers that he's able to put up and the, the responsibilities and the fact that he's an all-state basketball player, the fact that he's a really nice track and field athlete. Like they're they're targeting these athletes, and I think they're really trusting that the coaches will be able to put them in position and be able to develop them properly. And I I mean, there's there's maybe not as much of a floor there, right? There's more of the ceiling aspect to it. But mm-hmm. I think when you trust your coaching staff, those are the gambles you take because you you believe that they can be developed and you develop them properly. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations, Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. So uh, we do have we do have a, a, a super chat that we'll get to here before we get, we get going. AST12321. Given that Chris Vizina is now ranked well above Dante Moore, uh, maybe we shouldn't be worried about Vizina coming to Notre Dame. Just kidding. Don't yell at me. I'm going to be honest with you, AST. If you had you not put that JK in there, I might have yelled at you. Um, he's referring to the new on three rankings that came out today. 
So I wrote an article. I saw that they moved Keon Keeley up to number three. They had him at number four, so it wasn't like a huge, huge jump, but still very newsworthy. So I wrote an article about it, talking to Ryan, and I'm mean, hey, I'm going to do an article on the whole release because the whole release is coming afterwards. Then, I, then as I started like writing down where the guys were ranked in the new rankings, I was like, I'm not. I, there's no way I'm doing an article on this. It's so freaking bad. Um, one of them being they have Chris Vizina number twenty overall. That's fine. Uh, higher than I would have him, but he's a good mm-hmm. football. Not gonna like crush you for it. I'd have him sure. more in like 75, 90 range. We talked about that. I think uh Ryan, you have said what like 50 to 75. It's probably yeah. was that what you said Spare? Yeah. And they had uh Dante Moore at number 49. They had Drake Bowen at number 207. Brendan Vernon was barely a top 200 player. Justin Rett wasn't even in the top 300. They dropped Samuel and Pemba from like 104 from number 14 to like out of the top hundred. They had, of course, Arch number one, right? Whatever. Uh, but some of the rankings they had, like, like, and some of them could benefit Notre Dame. I mean, obviously, Keon Keeley, they had Peyton Bowen in the 30s, which is good. They had Charles Jagasaw number seven overall, five-star player. Uh, but some of the rankings were – and it wasn't even just Notre Dame players. Like, they had A.J. Harris number 70. If there are 48 better players in the country than Dante Moore and 69 better players in the country than A.J. Harris, this is the best recruiting group of players in the history of high school football. I mean, just some of the rankings were just – I mean, they had Braylon James at like 260-something. I'm, I'm sending a buddy a text to money, just some of these ridiculous rankings, and I just couldn't believe it. Like Anthony Hill at number 68. Jaden Osbury at number 168. I mean, some of them were just like, what in the – and it wasn't just Notre Dame guys. I mean, there just was some awful rankings in there. It just – just, I mean, Anthony Hill's not going to Notre Dame, but there are not 67 better football players in the country than Anthony Hill. I mean, it just – some of this stuff is just absurd, just beyond absurd. So uh, that's all we're going to say about it, to be honest with you, because it was, it was that bad where it's like they they got to be – they have to be doing it for clicks, guys. New service, mm-hmm. new site. They've got to be doing it so people will talk about it. And I've talked about it more than I care to talk about it. It was that bad. Yeah. This is the same outlet that had Devin Brown as the number one player in the country last year and didn't think Junior Tulo Mocker or CJ Williams were four star players. So I, whatever. I mean, you know what I mean? Like it, it is what it is. So if you guys, if you guys have anything you want to say about it, otherwise we, we can move on unless you guys have some, some thoughts on, uh, I mean, I mean, I, I, I just, I don't want to sound biased, obviously, because we're talking about a lot of the Notre Dame rankings. But like you said, like a kid like Anthony Hill being in the sixties, right. it's like I mean, I watched like, yeah, exactly, and I watched like five clips of him. Like that kid's playing in the NFL someday. Like there's yeah. no doubt about yeah. it. You know, like, well, just, like it's so it's another one. I don't think Jaden Osbury's coming to Notre Dame. I've made that very clear. It's absurd to have. If you had him at number sixty-eight, I'd say that's too low. <clears throat> you got him at one sixty-eight. AJ Harris isn't coming to Notre Dame. Having him at number 70 is, is beyond absurd. Like beyond absurd. That kid is, is a dude. Yeah. So it's not just the Notre Dame rankings. I mean, I could have gone, there were so many in there that I'm like, and because some of the absurd rankings I think are good for Notre Dame. I'm not going to mm-hmm. mention them, but some of them are like, there's no way that guy should be there, but it's good for Notre Dame. You know, I mean, just, it was, it was nuts, but um, yeah, it, they have to be doing it for attention. So I, I love this comment from Zacho. More like off three, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, very well done, my friend. Very, very, very well done. All right, guys, let's get to the topic that we wanted to discuss today. 
And that is looking in, at the regions and establishing which regions around the country are the most important to Notre Dame. And the premise being that when you are when you are building your recruiting operation, when you're building up kind of, hey, here's who we're going to be as an institution. Here's what we're going to be as a program. You know, this is the type of player we're going to recruit. You also have to kind of come up with the game plan of where are we going to recruit? And and mm-hmm. I think that that even in this era of, you know, you can kind of go anywhere you want. Notre Dame's a national program, all these other type of things. You know, I, I look at it and say, I still feel like you have to have a plan of attack where certain areas need special attention. And maybe some areas you go down there, like for tar- you target certain areas for certain types of players, but it's not an area you're going to invest all your resources. And I think that's a really important thing for Notre Dame. And I feel like in the past, they would get really, they would like, an area would become important for like a two-year cycle and then the next year they paid like no attention to it. And then there were certain areas you're just like, why are they not recruiting this area? This makes no sense to me. Right. And so I, I we're going to dis- discuss what we think should be the base area, like the, the main areas. And, and we kind of broke it down into several areas, right? There's the base, right? Like this has got to be your base. You've got to just dominate this area. And what that means is, you know, if there's players that are that are on your level, you have to get them. You have to not only identify them, but you got to go get them. Then there's sort of your regional strengths, right? Like if you could kind of go a state away. So like if you look at Clemson, right? When I looked at their was it their first title team? Maybe it's their second title team, but like 75% of their scholarship players were either from South Carolina, a, a state that borders South Carolina, or a state that bordered a state that borders. So I mean, so it's like very regional. those areas for Notre Dame are, are also important. Then you kind of get like a home away from home. What are some, some areas outside of your region that, you know, those states that border you or border your bordering states that you feel you can have success or should have success for whatever reason. Maybe it's just a place where there's a lot of Catholic schools. Maybe it's a place where, you know, there's some States Ryan that we're going to discuss. Obviously New Jersey will be one we'll get into where there is no big in-state power. Right. And, and the, you know, the Maryland, D.C. area, there's not really a big in-state power. Maryland's not that program. Virginia's that way. There's I mean, Virginia, Virginia aren't big state, you know, big time programs like Georgia is at Georgia and, and, and those other places. And then sort of the impact areas, you know, maybe areas where you're never going to get a ton of players, but that's where you go look for and find your dudes. And then, of course, we'll talk about the big boys. And that would be. Texas and Florida for sure. And we're going to have a very interesting conversation about how California should be viewed by Notre Dame, because I think it should be viewed a little differently uh, for Notre Dame than maybe it should be if you're at a different school. So guys, let's begin with the base area. And I think we can all agree on this. The base area is, is in one of the premises of this article, the, the data points that we use is, you know, where can you find top talent? And a lot of the things we're going to talk about today is I went and looked at the NFL released a a breakdown of opening day rosters, where everybody was from in opening day rosters. And you look at some of the states and, and the states that we all consider the big boys, right? Florida had 192. Texas had 189. California had 168. Georgia had 124. The next state was Ohio at 70. So those are just numbers to keep in mind where Indiana had 20, Mm -hmm. right? So 
Notre Dame can't say, what's your base area? Indiana, because you're just not going to get enough players to compete with the big boys only from Indiana. But I think the area that we can agree, I believe we all agree on this, we discussed this before, that has to be sort of your base. You have to have, if there's a guy that is on your level, you can't miss on him. You have to get him. That is Indiana, Illinois, especially the the central northeastern part of Illinois up towards Chicago, right? Because you start getting down towards like East St. Louis and different parts of Illinois, it's it's a it's a little tougher to be like a Notre Dame base area. And, and I think you, uh, if you disagree with that, Sean, just let me know after uh, this. You, and then the third area is you hit the Ohio right Public. Yeah, the Ohio yeah. Catholic schools. Yeah, the the Cleveland and Cincinnati and Dayton, uh, and and Columbus area. Those four big kind of areas where there's a lot of really good players that go to Catholic schools, areas where Notre Dame has had success and they really need to continue to have success. So you look down the Southwest, you look at St. X, you look at Elder, you look at Moeller, you look at the Northeast, St. Ignatius, right? St. Edward programs like that. Um, Dublin Kaufman, where Brady Quinn came from, which is in the, the uh, 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 is in the uh, Columbus area. You look at uh, uh, where Malik came from, Archbishop Alter, right? You know, those are areas where that have been very good to Notre Dame should always be good to Notre Dame, can still serve as a bit of a feeder to Notre Dame because they are more traditional, you know, like there's still a strong Notre Dame presence at the schools, not even football-wise, just at the schools, or maybe you're not finding that as much in other Catholic schools. So to me, guys, every year Notre Dame needs to make sure that they are getting the best of the best from Indiana, Illinois, and the Chicago, and the Ohio Catholic schools. That, to me, is the base area where Notre Dame has to be to be – they have to have a very high win rate on the recruiting trail. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I mean, just some of the names, obviously, right? Like, like you mentioned, Brian, the, the obviously the the data suggests that Indiana is at the lower end as far as producing NFL mm-hmm. talent. But we have seen Notre Dame obviously have success in the past with guys like Blake Fisher and Jalen Smith, and I know Gunnar Keel was obviously a highly ranked Tyler player Reifer, out of the there. Martin brothers, Shel- yeah. Sheldon Day, Drew Tranquil. Like, there's been a lot of guys that have come out of the state of Indiana. I think the key thing there is it's not going to produce a ton of talent, right. but we need to identify the right talent. Like, you can't miss on a right. George Karloftis, in my opinion. Like, you can't right. miss on that kid right. if you have a chance to get him, and he's in the state. Even if he has the Purdue ties, right. you have to get that kid. You have to identify him, and obviously that extends out to, like you said, the Ohio Catholic – Illinois, mm-hmm. obviously, we got guys like Charles Jagasa that is in the, that is a big target in the 2023 class. Obviously, for them, we have guys like Drake Bowen in this class. Notre Dame has already committed linebacker out of the state of Indiana. Those are the kids that, if you identify them, they have to get. Like it can't it can't be a battle, in my opinion. Like if you want an Indiana kid as Notre Dame, you have to get your Indiana kid if you deem them as a, as a mm-hmm. proper fit. So that I, I agree. That is the mainstay that is the base you have to get those kids and illinois sean is an area where there has been some illinois just not the especially chicago chicago used to be the feeder area for notre dame i mean it used to be like the number one driver of players in notre dame and and you back in the day the the catholic league schools were powerhouses back in the day you know what i mean Uh, i think mount carmel even when i was starting to kind of come up in high school mount carmel was still a powerhouse back then right saint rita i mean they would all produce some players and and, you know it 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 just as as a lot of northern areas have there's been a lot of population shifts and and job markets cause people to go migrate to other parts of the country which is why the carolinas are coming up now and things atlanta's coming up now and things like that but to me, there's still enough big-time players out of Chicago that Notre Dame hasn't been getting 
that they have to turn it around. I mean, like look at last year, Caleb Brown. I mean, it's a guy you have to try to be able to get, you know what I mean? And, and they weren't even in the game for him. Now you say, well, maybe there's some, but you gotta, you gotta try. And this year you look at Cardinal Tate. I mean, yes, he's an IMG now, but he's a Chicago kid, John, you've talked to him. He views himself still as a Chicago kid, correct? You, you, you have to start. <laughs> yeah, you can't keep yeah. getting beat by Ohio State and Michigan for the AJ Henning, right? Yeah. You you have to start. They, now they've done well in Chicago, like the Riley Millses and the Pat Coogans, but that's fine. But you, there's there's enough athletes. Like Caleb Brown to me was a top fifty national player. They weren't even in the game with him. He's just yeah, yeah. They, you know, I like Coach Reese, but I never hear from the receivers coach, right? Can't can't ever have that. Right. Uh, you can't have that from, um, you know, you can't have that from um, you just you can't you, you can't you can't not get Carnot like you have to get Carnot Tate. Right. Like at some point in time, you have to you have to be able to do that. Well, we can go back that A.J. Henning recruitment. And I, I remember this vividly was so disappointing because everyone in the Southland area for two years. It was almost a done deal if you talk to everyone. AJ mm-hmm. Henning was going to Notre Dame. And something happened like in the last six months, like right before his senior season started, something transitioned in his recruiting. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden, it just became Michigan. Right. And it was just like, yo, what happened? Because it came out of nowhere. And you hear mm-hmm. these stories in recruiting. It could be something as simple as a phone call gone wrong or a visit gone wrong or whatever. Something happened that transitioned and shifted everything from Notre Dame being on top to Michigan, and he ends up in Ann Arbor. And that's a big-time game-changer on multiple levels, whether it's special teams, you can put them in a slot, you can put them in the backfield. That's the type of guy you have to get into a program to be able to make big plays against big-time opponents. So let's talk about Carnell Tate. Carnell Tate, the only reason he's not here at Maris is because of the COVID-19 pandemic. Mm-hmm forced him to make the move down to IMG. I talked to him and frankly asked him, there are rumors out there that he will be coming back to play with his team who lost in the semifinals of the state championship in the 7A division. And he said, no, I'm going to stick it out and stay at IMG as much as I love my teammates. But you're talking about a kid who said Notre Dame was the first school that got on him. And that was refreshing to hear. Like Mm -hmm. Notre Dame was the first school to come after him to give him his first offer. And he's had a connection to Notre Dame. Of course, with the transition with different coaches, things of that nature, he took a recent picture at a seven-on-seven camp and tournament here in Chicago about two weeks ago with former Notre Dame wide receiver coach Dale Alexander. There's still a relationship there. When I talked to him, uh, he informed me that there was nothing negative said about Notre Dame in their conversation. And he was very – he talked well about the staff and specifically – Marcus Freeman. So I just wanted to make sure that there was no negative recruiting mm-hmm. going on. And he he basically referred me, informed me that that wasn't the case, but they're still pretty close. Notre Dame has targeted, and we talked about this because Tommy Reese, offensive coordinator, who starred at Lake Forest in the Chicagoland area as a quarterback, is leading the way and reestablishing Notre Dame as being a prime, prime, big-time go get them program here in the Chicagoland area. There are two transitions happening here. The public school system from an athletic standpoint is once again, getting back to the level it was 
when Lou Holtz came in here and got a guy mm-hmm. like Chris Storch. Mm-hmm. During that era, era in the 80s, the public schools were churning out big-time players going to big-time D1 programs that ultimately ended up being big-time NFL stars. The same thing is happening now. You see public schools once again winning state championships in the 6A, 7A, and 8A. When Jaleel Billingsley decided to transfer from Alabama, the first school to jump on him, and most people would laugh, was Brett Bielema and the fighting Illini down in Champaign. It's like their message is we want to keep our kids home to make this program great. That's been their mantra to all the best guys. So Notre Dame has come in and countered with that, not only in the 23 class, but they're reaching out to kids in the 24 class as well. Notre Dame has offered five of the top 10 players in Illinois. The other five players are south of the region that Notre Dame usually gets players. So what you talked about, the state of Illinois, basically most people know. Above, let's see, I-74, highly democratic from a political standpoint. Below that, it's totally different. It's almost like two different states. It's very rural. It's it's a completely rural. different, yeah. I mean, I, I did a ministry class out there where I actually had to stay yeah. out in Illinois for like a two weeks and doing like rural ministry. And it's like, yeah. I'm, like I'm in Illinois. Like yeah. the only place I've ever been in world. Illinois was Chicago. Yeah. Right. And it's like, it's but it's, yeah, it's completely, it's like and Indiana. I mean, Northern Indiana and Southern Indiana, very different. Yep. Um, and you're talking about Jagasaw, who's the number one player in the state. Caden Feegan, who's number three. Malik Elsey, who's number four from Simeon. Then you go down to Jaya Hill out of Kankakee, who's sitting at seven. And then Brooks Barr, who's a kid that I've talked to that is chomping at the bit to get that offer. Like if he, if he gets an offer tomorrow, his commitment might be the same day. Like, he is that ecstatic. He's been to Notre Dame three times on three different occasions. He's going to get up there for the spring and visit. He's out of a powerhouse, Loyola Academy up there in Wilmette, powerhouse in the state of Illinois. So he knows what it's all about. He knows about being in a prestigious program, what it's like to walk in those doors and live up to expectations. So big-time guy that plays deep power DN for, for Loyola. But he definitely will be in that D tackle situation with Notre Dame if they decide to go with him. They've targeted the best of the best in Illinois. Mm-hmm. So they definitely got the got the message that if we're going to take that next step and go out and get the best kids, we have to make sure that our base is dominated by us. And they've done a great job reaching out and recruiting those kids in the 23 and ultimately what we'll see next year in the 24 class. Because they got zero kids out of Illinois last year. Yeah. Zero. Yeah. Now, some mm-hmm. of them were from areas like like the top two players in the state last year, Luther Burden and Toriano Pride. That's not that's not an area where Notre Dame's going to have a lot. They're just not going to yeah, do Luther well. Burden just won. He was a Missouri right. kid all the way. Right. But this is the, this is the kicker. There's a new program that has become a nemesis, and that will, in my opinion, will be a nemesis if they continue to play the way they played the last well last year under their head coach Sam Pittman did an incredible job right. turning Arkansas around. Right. Arkansas is in on a lot of the top 10 kids in Illinois, especially the two big linemen out of East St. Louis. They have a tackle and a guard. I think they rank two and six in the state of Illinois. And both of those guys have Arkansas on the list. The top guy, of course, he's going to Alabama, in my opinion. He's just he's a big time offensive tackle. You'll see him playing on Sundays. So if you look at Indiana, Illinois, and the Ohio Catholic League, 
the Ohio Catholic schools, right? They produced 85 NFL players at the start of the 2021 season. Mm-hmm. That's more than the that's more than the state of Ohio. If you take out the Catholic school kids, that's 56 in Ohio. They produce 70. So the, the point is, even if you look at Indiana and Illinois and just that small region, that's that's 85. That's a good number of NFL players relative to other places. I mean, once you get yeah. past the top four, that's a good number. I think then you move on to the sort of the regional schools, right? And the reason that we don't count Michigan the same way we do Illinois is because in Illinois, there's not a there's not a big time program. Like, let's be honest, Sean. If Notre Dame and Illinois are going after big time players, more often than not, that guy, if he if he is a fit for Notre Dame, if you catch my drift, yeah, uh, he's going to go to Notre Dame more often than not, right? Let's just be honest. Now, maybe Beamer can change that down the road, but that's always been true. Right. That's almost always, almost always been true. And so uh, when you when you look at Michigan, that's different because there's one big time program in the state and another one that is a very strong pull in the state in Michigan State. So Michigan and Michigan State. So Michigan has to be looked at different than Illinois because you can't expect to just walk into Michigan and take the best players every year. Right. It's going to be more challenging. So that's and same thing with Pennsylvania. Now, Notre Dame has always done well in Pennsylvania, but you've always had to deal with Penn State. Penn State's going to get their fair share of big-time players. Pitt used to, but I still – like now I feel like if Notre Dame and Pitt are going against each other for a kid, you're going to get them. Or maybe 1978, 1979, 1980, it would have been tougher to get them out of Pitt. You're now going to get those guys if you want them, if it's just you versus Pitt, right? I mean, I I can't tell you the last time Notre Dame lost to Pitt for a kid that Notre Dame wanted and could get into school. So when you look at that that region, so it's either states that border Indiana or border a state that borders Indiana, you look at Michigan, Ohio, non-Catholic school Ohio, Pennsylvania, and Kentucky, right? And Pennsylvania's got to be an area where – look, Ryan, and the thing about it is, is, is one of the things we discuss is we're just talking about NFL players, but what you don't see from like Indiana and what you don't see as much from the Ohio Catholic schools – and, and some in Illinois, but not as much. A lot of the guys that you look at the positions, it's linemen, linebackers, defensive linemen. It's running backs. It's not receivers and, you know, corners. Pennsylvania is a little different because Pennsylvania mm-hmm. does produce some of those athletes. Rodney Gallagher being a bit. I mean, who's the most dynamic player to play for Notre Dame in the last 20 years? It's a kid from Philly. Will Fuller, Will Fuller, Fuller. right? Yeah. I said I said last week, I think I said Rodney Gallagher being a Philly kid. What in the world? He's that's a, he's a Western. I, yeah, I was PA like, he's kid. he's yeah, he's yeah. he's the up there. I was, like, wait, he's not. Yeah, I was like, did I just say that? Um <laughs> but he but again, that's even better for Notre Dame because their success rate in the western part of the state is even higher than their success rate in the eastern part of the state. And so you look at those four areas, Michigan, you're gonna get some athletes from there. I mean, they're trying to get a quarterback from there. The Detroit area, Notre Dame, and this is why Dante Moore is so important. Detroit, mm-hmm. is, so when you look at the rankings, Michigan is 12th when it comes to produce as a state, when it comes to producing NFL players at 49. That's a good number, right? Yeah. It's a good number. It's not a great number. If you, if They're really 12th. I added Maryland and D.C. together. That got them one above Michigan. But if you make Maryland and D.C. separate, then Michigan's up to 12, which, again, out of 50 states is pretty good, right? And so – but when you look at Detroit, it's a different ball game 
because Detroit by itself. So when you look at the NFL, like the the the, the breakdown that the NFL did, I think that Detroit, if I were, if I'm looking at this correctly, and I am, Detroit is fourth amongst just cities, cities with yeah. 14. Miami has 19. Houston has 18. New Orleans has 15, and Detroit has 14. Mm-hmm. Like that. So like Detroit, it, it, a lot of the talent from Michigan is like centralized in like that one area. That's two and a half hours away from South Bend, Indiana. Now, are there just going to be some kids in Detroit that you just are not going to have a shot with? Yeah, that's true in Chicago. That's true in Indianapolis. That's true in South Bend. That's true everywhere. There's just going to be some kids you can't get in with. But that's why I think Dante Moore has to – they have to win that one, not just because of what Dante can bring as an elite quarterback who is much better than the number 49 overall player in the country – because it's going to show Detroit public school kids, if you if you handle your business in the classroom like Dante did, Notre Dame, you can have the opportunity to go to a place like Notre Dame. And, and I think that is huge because that is an, an area really close to campus. With And what does is, what is Detroit tend to produce more of? Skill players, right? It's not just a bunch of linemen. Now, you're going to get some of them. I mean, you get – you obviously Khalid Kareem was from – not from Detroit, but like outside. Dalen Hayes was – a little north of I mean, Dalen was kind of all over. He went to like four different high schools, but um, <laughs> the, the point being is like you're going to get some athletic dudes from there, yeah. and so and same with Pennsylvania, you're going to get some really mm-hmm. athletic kids from there. There's going to be the Rodney Gallagher's from Pennsylvania. There's going to be the Josh Adamses from Pennsylvania. I mean, really, the two most dynamic players that Notre Dame has had in the last ten years on offense, just statistically, Will Fuller and Josh Adams. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Where are they both from? Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Right, you give me a roster full of Josh Adamses and, and Will Fuller's. Uh, bring on Bama, right? Bring on Ohio yeah. State, right? I mean, yeah. that's the reality of it. So you don't have to go down to Florida and Texas and New Orleans and all those to get dynamic athletes. You just have to make sure you're getting them out of the state of Pennsylvania, and then getting them out of Detroit. Uh, so to me, guys, that's that next region. In that region of Michigan, Ohio, I took out the Catholic school kids, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. Kentucky produced 179 NFL players, which wow. is ranked third, right? Well, that's that region's not that much smaller than the state of Texas or the state of California geographically, right? And Kentucky, obviously Notre Dame's best player on their on, returning on their offense this year is from <laughs> Kentucky, right? Yeah. So we're, we're showing that, that you can get those guys. You just have to really make sure that you're upping your success rate. Your success rate in those areas – has to be better and that mm-hmm. and that's going to it's going to take a very concerted effort to to make that happen and that's what they have to do guys i have a question yeah. for both of you guys is mm-hmm. brian you specifically being from the north new jersey pa area notre dame is really going hard at michigan right now in the detroit area in my mm-hmm. opinion you have to take advantage of certain trends in recruiting especially if you're notre dame I think the previous two years saw a little bit of the shine come off of Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan program. Now they recovered, had a nice season, but leading up to this season, there was a little bit of shine off that program. And then they've had transition of coaches in this offseason and his flirtation with the NFL and everything. That can play a key role as well in the way some of these kids look at Michigan out of Detroit. And now Notre Dame's coming in and they make their imprint. The same thing when you talk about what's going on with the Penn State program. I think they underperformed. 
in mm-hmm. my opinion, over the last three years, based upon what preseason rankings and expectations were. Mm-hmm. Now Notre Dame gets an opportunity to go in, get on a guy like Rodney Gallagher, get him right. out of field. Hey, let's just be honest. It's the Lou Holtz blueprint. Right. He came to Notre Dame. It's like you go get Rocket and Ricky Water. Right. <laughs> go get them from Pennsylvania. Right. When they were supposed to be at Penn State or either Pitt. Like that is the blueprint that Notre Dame, thankfully, right. that they're going down that road, they're being aggressive. And they're not depending on what some of the other regimes depended on, which was we got to get kids out of Florida. We got to right. get kids out of Texas. We right. got to get kids out of California. They're scouring the entire country right. going to get the best kids from wherever. And they should. Yeah. But mm-hmm. the the point is, I think they did it at the expense too often of the areas that we've discussed. And in another area we're going to discuss in a second. Right. And that's the problem for me yeah. is it's fine. You should go everywhere, but you have mm-hmm. to make sure you're making a concerted effort in those areas. Right. And I think Pennsylvania is the one for me, Ryan, that has been the most head scratching in recent years. Because mm-hmm. I just I don't see why Pennsylvania has seemed to take a back seat to Notre Dame in 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 for in recent seasons, and I don't yep. quite understand why. Like, yeah, like why why did it take convincing of some coaches who are no longer here to make Rodney Gallagher a priority? Right, right. Whereas Chancey yeah. Stuckey shows up and he's like, <laughs> yeah, thank you, okay. yes, please, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and yeah. it just it just it's um. That's an unforced it, error, guys. That that's the yeah. problem that I have. It's it's you know, it's it's the unforced errors. Well, it, it, I mean, it's a great point. I think Sean also brought up a great point about the fact that like, I mean, we're gonna talk about New Jersey a little later, right? Like New Jersey is a feeder to the Michigans and the Notre Dames when they want those kids because there's mm-hmm. no in-state power, like you said before, Brian. And now that Michigan's having a you know, the, again, they had a good season, but you hear Coach Harbaugh every single year. Is he gonna go to the NFL? Well, Let's capitalize on that type of momentum, right? If you're Notre Dame, Penn State had a, has been down recently over the last couple of years, even though they're still recruiting at a, at a decent rate. Mm-hmm. But you, I mean, great point to say about Pennsylvania because I mean, you could go, you could look at the Michigan and not so much, you know, the Catholic versus public school conversation, but like they've had some obvious wins over the last couple of years in jo- like Joshua Burnham and Nolan Ziegler and Rocco Spindler. And you talked about like Dalen Hayes and Adio Gadici. Like there's been success obviously in Michigan, but like when I was looking up just like the best recruits that Notre Dame's gotten from Pennsylvania, you're not talking about guys that is recent. Like the most recent guys are like Phil Dracovic, Josh Lug, but then it's historic, like a little more, you know, going back a little bit of a ways, like the Mike McGlinchies of the world, the Josh Adams, like you said, the Will Fuller's, like the list is not a recently, you know, based list, right? right. Like these are talking more on a, like a historical level and you need to go into there because regionally it makes right. sense. Penn State is not the power that it had been at, at some points, right? Like they, I mean, they went seven and five this year and they gave their, their head coach a, a a crazy contract extension. Like it, there's no there's no world right now where Notre Dame shouldn't be able to compete for a Rodney Gallagher, even though he's right. he's a Pennsylvania kid. Even though Tamir Robinson's up near there, the linebacker. And if you want Tamir Robinson, Penn State can't stop you from getting Tamir Robinson. In my opinion, like you you need to start right. making moves in Pennsylvania because we've seen moves in Michigan, we've seen moves in Ohio. Why is Pennsylvania the one that seems to be a little bit untapped in recent years? I think it's a great right. point. And you look at just, I mean, Nicholas Singleton in last year's class. That, that, that guy is a legitimate big-time player. 
You look at Marvin Harrison Jr. I mean, look at Ohio State's receiving core. And, uh, this year's going to have a, a very strong Pennsylvania influence, right? With mm-hmm. Marvin Harrison Jr. with with uh, Julian Fleming, you know. And you look at some of the athletes that they've produced. I mean, they're again they're producing some good football players. And Notre Dame Notre Dame has not done well in Pennsylvania. They haven't even tried to do well in Pennsylvania. And and that's one of the things that I actually had someone bring up to me. He's like, man, you know, they're recruiting too many coaches that have Midwestern ties. I'm thinking, thank God. You know what I mean? Like, that's a good thing. You know, you look at uh, uh, Jared Parker's from Kentucky, Tommy Reese is from Illinois, Dylan McCullough's from Ohio, Marcus Freeman's from Ohio, Mike Mickens is from Ohio, Al Washington is from Ohio, Harry Heastan's from Pennsylvania. Thank God they're bringing in more guys because if you can't, if you, you're never going to get enough guys from Texas and Florida and California and Georgia alone yeah. to have the kind of depth you need. You have to be able to get the guys from your – now, you're going to get your Jadarian prices, right, from every now and then. You're going to get your Kyle Hamilton's every now and then. But you have to do better year after year after year in your backyard. And that's where I think Notre Dame – it would seem based on hires that they're doing that. Now, there's also some guy, Chancey Stuckey's from Georgia, right, coached in Texas. You know, there's some guys with some, you know, some, some, some more national ties – but the majority of their staff now are Midwestern guys. Chris O'Leary, right. I think, is an where's he's from? He went to college in Indiana, didn't he? Yeah. Did he go to Indiana State? Mm-hmm. Yes, where's he, he did. originally yes, he from? Did. Is he yep. is an Indiana guy? Or where's he from Indiana, I believe. Isn't he from like Fort Wayne or something like that? Isn't he? He's or from Fort Wayne, you know? I'm gonna so, look it up. I'm gonna look it up. Yeah, big chunk of your your coaching staff now is Midwestern guys yeah. with Midwestern ties. That's so important. Yeah. So important. Now, look, are you going to go into Ohio and beat Ohio State for eight of their top 10 in-state players that they want? No. You just got to beat them for one, right? One or two yeah. in the public school or, you know, the non-traditional, you know, let's say maybe some of the the more well-to-do areas where Notre Dame can tend to go in and have some success. You just got to beat them for a, a kid here, a kid there, you know? And the problem is, is that not only is Notre Dame not getting those kind of players out of Ohio, other than offensive linemen in recent mm-hmm. years, they're getting their butt kicked by Ohio State in Chicago. They're getting their butt kicked by Ohio State in Pennsylvania. Right. And, you know, that can't happen. That that That's the problem. And I don't think Brian Kelly paid enough attention uh, and Brian Polian and those guys paid it. I mean, Brian, if Brian Polian would have invested as much time in Pennsylvania as he invested in freaking Hawaii, you know, <laughs> Notre Dame might have some dudes, right? And and so those are those are some and errors. And then and then it's we stay in that region. So the Northeast is another area where Notre Dame has not paid enough attention in recent years. R- Ryan, we were kind of going over the numbers. New Jersey's mm-hmm. 10th among yep. all states in producing NFL players with mm-hmm. 56. If you then add in New York, Massachusetts, and Connecticut, that's in Rhode Island, Vermont, that's another 46. So the Northeast not known as a as a talent hotbed, has produced 102 players. That's mm-hmm. 30 more than Ohio. That's 22 less than Georgia, right? There's some guys there. And that's where Penn State has been kicking Notre Dame's butt. Bama has been coming up to Jersey yeah. and kicking Notre Dame's butt. It's never mm-hmm. – Lou Holtz doesn't lose Minka Fitzpatrick to Alabama, no. in my yeah. opinion. Joe mm-hmm. Paterno doesn't lose Minka Fitzpatrick he would have gone to one of those two schools 30 years ago, right? Mm-hmm. And that's my point. Well, you can't get the elite athletes there. Well, why is Nick Saban spending so much time in Virginia, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania then? Right? Good question. 
you know, so so those, those are the things you look at and say, Notre Dame, and this is where Marcus Freeman has to and get this operation going, is yes, we're going to go to those other regions, but we have to become a power, yeah. you know, from, from New Jersey up north. You know, the mid, the even though it's not technically the Midwest, when you look at the map of the United States, yeah, what we call, what we consider the Midwest, which is like Western PA over to Illinois, right, up to, you know, to, to Michigan, you know, Kentucky and all that, there's a lot of talent. I mean, like you said, Indiana, Illinois, and the Chicago Catholic League, or the Ohio Catholic Leagues, 85 NFL players. Miami, Michigan, the rest of Ohio, Pennsylvania, Kentucky, 179 players. Uh, New Jersey, Massachusetts, Connecticut, 102 players, right? So those four, those three regions alone right there, 366 players, right? Kentucky and Texas produced 300, or I mean, excuse me, Florida and Texas produced 381, right? So those two big boys are still more, but like those are very pro Notre Dame areas where the numbers of total NFL players is very similar. And so Notre Dame has to have a bigger success rate. Now, on the field, success is going to help because, you know, you were talking about, um, you know, it's good that Michigan's not as, you know, had going through their issues and then Penn State's not been as good and all that. But at the end of the day, guys, it's still important that you get some of those players to come and be successful because beyond your on-field success, they want to see that guys that, that they recognize are having on-field success. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know you guys are good, but – you're not good with anybody from Detroit. You guys haven't got anybody from Detroit. You guys don't have anybody from Philly. You, know, you, you get what I'm saying? So, like, there's still that that notion of, but you're still not doing it with us. And yeah. it's kind of wild, and this is a, a small cultural point, but as, as the world has expanded, we're starting to see more people become more and more identified themselves in very small um, sort of uh, narrow views. You know, uh, my people, our people, you know, my guys, you know, we joke about all the time, like, you know, Virginia, right? Like, I don't live in Virginia, haven't lived in Virginia for a long time. But when I hear Virginia, I still think that's my place. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, You know, and and so people still need to see that young people especially still need to see that, hey, what's my example? Who's the example for me? You know, like, Ryan, when you talk to safeties, right, you say they have someone they can point to and say, yeah, okay, I can go to Notre Dame and be a top 10 NFL draft pick as a safety. Right. Right. Now Notre Dame's produced two first round. We'll we'll have produced two first round draft picks as safety in the mm-hmm. in the last what decade, right? When you look at Harrison Smith as well. When, when why is offensive why is offensive line recruiting so easy for Notre Dame now compared it was compared to where it was when Harry Heastan arrived? It's because of the guys he's putting in the NFL. Right. Sure. Right. And so you have to eventually you have to be able to get those guys. I think that's the wall you have to break down more than just whatever Michigan's record is and whatever Penn State's record is, is you have to finally start winning those battles, get those kids on campus and have success. Why are more Hawaii kids more willing to go to Notre Dame? It's not because of Notre Dame's record. It's because Manti went there and had success. Yeah, sure. Right? And that's the key is they want to see – do people that are either look like me or come from my town or come from my high school or come from you guys have done just in your short time working for me, you guys have heard where kids will talk about like, Hey, I played against that guy or I know that guy like, yeah, yeah. okay. He's doing this. And that's what matters to me. And so you can't get those kids if you don't make them like, they have to feel like, Hey man, we don't need to go down to Florida. 
Dante, mm-hmm. we don't need to go out to California. We don't need to go out to California to get Nico. We don't need to go down to Alabama and get Chris Vizina. We don't need to go out to New Orleans and get Arch. We need to go out in Cali. We want you. You're right here. You're. Yeah. We, we need to have success with Detroit, which is why the next time Dante Moore is on campus, I'd better hear that Jerome Bettis never left his side. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so, so, and that's why I think it's so smart for Marcus Freeman to start bringing more of the legends back. Absolutely. Because if you don't have it on your roster right now, you can show it from what you've done in the past. Yeah. And that's another reason why Marcus Freeman's embracing the tradition of Notre Dame is a masterful stroke. Yeah. Because what we don't have on our current roster, we darn sure have in our and our Rolodex of alums. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and so, um, and if it doesn't resonate with Dante, it will resonate with his dad. Oh, yes. Exactly right. Exactly right. And so, you just look at those areas. We haven't even got into the mid Atlantic, some other areas, guys, but like Notre Dame, they have to up their hit rate, their success yeah. rate in those areas. If they do that, then it allows them to be more selective. And this is how Lou Holtz was. It allows you to be more select. You're you're going down to Miami to get Derek Brown. Mm-hmm. You're going down to Miami to get Pat Terrell. You're going down That's to it. Texas to get Tim Brown. I don't actually, I think didn't Tim Brown actually signed with Jerry Faust, but you're, yeah. you get the point that I'm making, right? Like I'm going mm-hmm. down there to get that guy, not that, well, okay, let's go try to find some athletes down in Florida. No, it's we're going down there to get Keon Keeley. Yeah. You're the dude, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you're going down to Texas to get Peyton Bowen. You're the guy. You know what I mean? Braylon James, you're the guy. With, you know, but you're you're still built your your foundation still has to be on kids from your region. And I think that's something that Ohio State, especially this is where I think Ryan Day, even more than Urban Meyer, gets this. You can go recruit nationally, but you better make sure you're cleaning up in your backyard. Yeah. And they've done a good job of that. And Notre Dame has not. And yeah. that to me is is a is a uh is an important thing for me. So but we're not done yet, guys. There's still <laughs> some more regions that we're talking about before we even get to the big boys that I think are important. Yeah. Let's talk about some of in, in those regions that we kind of like you had your regional strengths, then this kind of the home away from home, New Jersey, Northeast, Mid-Atlantic. Uh, another state that I would throw into that category and I want to get your guys' opinion on that I think has been very underutilized by Notre Dame in recent years is Tennessee. I want to throw Tennessee into that area because it is a state that borders a state that borders Notre Dame, right? You, Indiana, Kentucky, Tennessee. It's an area where Notre Dame has had a lot of success from, and in, not numbers-wise, but you go back to Golden Tate, Harrison Smith, Alex Bars, Alex Bullard loved Notre Dame, but he had the family. You know, he only transferred to back Tennessee because there was a, I think it was his dad got sick or something like that. I can't, rem- I can't remember. There was something like that. It wasn't like a bad situation. Uh, and then recently, Prince Collie. That is an area to me that has been very un- has Notre Dame has not been taking advantage of that nearly enough in recent seasons. What do you guys think about about needing to maybe add Tennessee to that list of priority states like a New Jersey, like a Pennsylvania, you know, where again, you're not going to get numbers from it. You may get just one guy a year, but that one guy is going to be Golden Tate or Harrison Smith or Alex Bars or Prince Kali, you know, that kind of guy. Yeah. What are your guys' thoughts on that? I, I think it's a great point because I mean, you, like you said, that there's the, there's the 
names to back it up that that should be a, a state that you take a look at. And I also think the points of like University of Tennessee has been down in recent years, right? Mm-hmm. Vanderbilt. I mean, it's obviously a high academic institution, but I mean, you should be able to go into Tennessee and beat Vanderbilt for football players. It just comes straight, straight up to it. I mean, I know obviously coach Lee and all that type of stuff is going down there. So there's, you know, whatever, but it, I, I think that there, it, it, if you wanted player from Tennessee, I think that Notre Dame should be able to go into there. I mean, to be very point blank period about it. And yes, there's the names that have obviously backed up the conversation that you're talking about. There's names that back up that there is evidence that you have to get back into there. And I, I mean, right now you should be able to compete with Tennessee for those types of players. Like the, mm-hmm. the conversation should always be that Notre Dame should be able to go into Tennessee and compete at worst. But definitely I think that there's, I mean, there's competition to be had with some of the names that, that have come out recent years. Heck yeah. If you're going to get a Walter Nolan, I'm all for it. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Get I mean, guy. a guy like him, they're not going to get, let's be honest. No, because Walter Nolan, Notre Dame, yeah. let's just say this, Notre Dame was not, I get your point, Sean. Yeah. With Walter Nolan specifically, Notre Dame was not going to be able to um, meet his demands. Right? <laughs> That's a nice way of putting it. I try my best. But the very, interesting very thing about cool. Tennessee is there's a lot of good private and 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 uh private schools and Catholic schools. I mean Golden yeah. Tate and Harrison Smith both went to Catholic schools. Alex mm-hmm. Bars went to a private school. Uh Notre Dame played against a kid this year from at, at North Carolina that was from a private school, Ty Chandler. He was actually I, I, he wasn't a high school teammate of Alex Bars, I don't think. I think they but they but from the same high school as Alex Bars. Uh Dallin mm-hmm. Hayden is another guy yeah. that went to a private school in in, uh, in in that state that I think they could have had a shot at if they would have played that recruitment better. They were in position to – I think they had kind of overtaken Ohio State. And then the position coach, bad-mouthed Tony Alford. Big mistake because Dallin Hayden loved Tony Alford. Dallin mm-hmm. Hayden loved everything about Notre Dame except for the fact he just had better relationships with Tony Alford and, and Ryan Day. He loved them. He loved Notre Dame as an institution more. That's what was working. But then they went out and badmouthed Tony Alford, and it was like, okay, you're done. Because now it's like, well, I, I don't respect you. The end day is still about the people. That Again, unforced error. Right? It's an unforced There's been so many of those that we've seen over the years where those have been the problems. Not There's not players from here. There's not players from there. So I think Tennessee, to me, could – again, it's not going to be a volume place. Yeah, but right. go find the Harrison Smiths. Go find the Golden Tates. Go find the Alex Barses. Go find the Dallin Hades, and then don't screw up their recruitments. Right? Go, go get those the Alex Barses. There's enough kid, Prince Collies. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to remember where. Uh, why am I? Brad, yeah, what, go ahead. At what point Golden Tate was? They got in late on Golden Tate, didn't they? No, I know uh, they, they got, got a, in late on Will. On on who? On Will Fuller. Yes, they did. They had to flip him from Penn State. Yeah, because yeah, Malik, Malik hosted him along with CJ. Yeah, and they, they talked. They about, flipped him from Penn State. Yeah, they yeah. talked about how they made it a priority. Like you guys have to help us, right? Get him. So that was Dembrock. Dembrock yeah. loved Will Fuller because Malik yeah. and Fuller were in the same class, right? And so they had they got they got Corey Robinson. I think kind of early. And then they got on Will. He had committed to Penn State, and then they they eventually got on him. But that's a that's another thing, though, guys. Is is in my opinion, they haven't that they've been late to the game too much with some of these guys. 
And I think that's something that has started to change even before Marcus Freeman took over. Let's let's be honest. I think they yeah. did a really good job last year, last couple of years of getting on guys earlier. Uh, it really ramped up, I think, when Marcus Freeman got here as the defensive coordinator, right, which is why they have seven committed kids in the 2023 class. But you have to get on those kids early, Sean. You can occasionally flip a Will Fuller, but more often than not, you're going to lose that battle if you get on these kids late. And that's where I think like the addition of a guy like Chad Bowden, who can get on those 2024 kids early, and Dre Brown is another one. They can get on those kids early, and then eventually the assistant coaches will get involved when – you know, they're kind of done on the 2023 class, but it's it's good to have that. And that's why Marcus Freeman has fought for an expanded recruiting operation at Notre Dame. They should need to have more voices that are can legally get in touch with these kids and talk to these kids. And so I think that's an important thing. So the last two region guys are, are, are sort of the interesting ones, and mm-hmm. it's the impact areas. And and we kind of have broken it down into a couple, a couple areas, and they kind of bleed together, right? So we're going to kind of – I think there, well, actually there is an area that we, we didn't just, we're, we're going to, I'm going to kind of call a little bit of an audible here. Cause I had, I had the mid Atlantic is part of that Northeastern area. And I think the North Atlantic needs to, the mid Atlantic needs to move into more of an impact area. The mid Atlantic in our view is the DMV, right? Maryland, DC, Virginia, and North Carolina. Right. And then, and then you, you throw in Georgia, as part of this conversation and, and what these are, these are not areas where you're going to recruit 11, 12 kids a year. Mm-hmm. And and you're not going to get your numbers from that, those areas, but these are the areas where you can get more impact players without having going all the way down to Texas and Florida and California. Right. And, you know, you look at the Notre Dame roster now and in recent years, what, who have these areas produced? We're talking DMV down to Georgia, Chris Tyree, Kyle Hamilton, mm-hmm. CJ Procise, the Aquara brothers, uh, you know, it, it, they've Stefan to it. These mm-hmm. have been very good areas for Notre Dame and they've started to up their success in Georgia, but sometimes I think they've kind of forced their, they forced their hand in Georgia on kids where maybe that kids probably wasn't to take Tommy Trumbull is, is, is one who's had success, right? They went and found him from a private school. And the reason I think you're, you're going to have successes is, is uh, uh, some of the geographic changes, right? When it comes with like migration is, is what tends to follow those jumps is a jump in, the impact of the private schools, right? Mm-hmm. You start to see more and more kids go. So like, like the pri- as, as people left Chicago, the private schools also took a hit, right? And you start to see Atlanta. Now there's more of these really good private schools that used to just be academic institutions that now are academic institutions that also happen to have some really good football players starting to go there. Kyle Hamilton was obviously an example of that. Uh, we see the Pace Academy where Jamari Sawyer went, where Andrew Thomas went. Both of those kids were – were Jamari Sawyer's probably going to be what, Ryan? It's day two, day three pick this year. So did he come out this year? Yep, so he, he going is. Back to he, Georgia. Okay. No, no, he, he, was, he was at the Senior Bowl, and he had a nice week, I would say, probably – I wouldn't be shocked if someone took him in the second round, but definitely right. third round. If not, in well, my day opinion. two pick Andrew Thomas mm-hmm. was a top five pick. Did he go? What did he go fourth? Right, something like that. First off, line mates, in that class. Right, yeah. Notre Dame recruited both of those guys. Ended up not getting them, but there, there's you know, Jaden Thomas is from that same high school. There's kids from those areas. You're starting to see more of these these kids coming in North Carolina, 
right? You know, they're starting to see more of that in North Carolina. And so I think that those are areas where you can you can get a Chris Tyree easier from Virginia than you're going to get that kid from Miami. It sure. just as far as ease of not not as far as like there's more of them in Miami. My point guys is it's going to be easier to convince a kid from Richmond, Virginia to make that trip to Notre Dame than Miami. it is going to be to for Miami, right? Yeah. Because in Miami it's like you've got my, you've got to bypass Miami uh, Florida, Florida State, Georgia, Alabama. I mean, think of all the schools you got to pass on your flight to Notre Dame. <laughs> Who's Chris Tyree bypassing on his drive to Notre Dame? Virginia Tech, Virginia, Maryland, West Virginia, Ohio State. That's it, right? That's the only big time program we'd have to pass. And so, mm-hmm. it just logically, it makes sense that if you find if you've got a dynamic athlete like a Chris Tyree, like a CJ Procise. You're going to have a it will fuller. You're going to have a greater success getting those kids to come to Notre Dame than you will the kids from Jalen Brown, right? I mean, and so are there more Jalen Browns in Miami than there are Jalen Browns in the North? Yes, but that's why the hit rate has to be successful. Having said that, it doesn't mean you don't recruit those areas. But to me, the Mid Atlantic area is is, is got to be where Notre Dame looks to really get the dudes. Right. Like mm-hmm. you've that's where you got to get your guys. Right. And, you know, we look at this year's class. Right. Mon- Monroe Freeling is an example of that. That's mm-hmm. a top 100 guy. Right. Yep. Um, you know, there, there's there's some kids from as you look at kind of Notre Dame's offer list. There's some kids from those states that you say, mm-hmm. boy, if they could get some of these kids, you know, mm-hmm. they're, they're going to have a chance to, to 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 put some pretty good players on the on the field moving forward. Yep. No, I mean, we talked obviously about Maryland. We've talked a lot about Maryland this year, mm-hmm. right? Obviously with Jason Moore, the great defensive lineman out at DeMatha, and we talked about uh, Devin Houston that's out there at St. James School, and you just mentioned Monroe Freeling, obviously out of South Carolina. Sullivan Absher is another uh, offensive lineman out of mm-hmm. North Carolina, top 250 type of kid out of South Plant. So there are players – all over the place. I know you just mentioned Virginia, Brian, and someone made a great point in the chat. They said, you know, for the longest time, Penn State kind of really yeah. did really well in Virginia. And in Virginia, oh, well, yeah. their coach is now at Virginia Tech. He is right. no longer. That, that's well, kind of been see, the. But real quick, archetype. though, let me let me just interrupt yeah. you real quick because Penn State's done well in Virginia, going way back before Brent Pry showed up. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. going back to like when when I played. You know, I played against James Boyd. Right, he went to Penn State. You know, Chris. Uh, Chris Bell, the receiver from Granby, he went to Penn State. Kevin Jones was a Virginia kid, if you remember. He went to Penn State. So Penn State's had success in Pennsylvania for a long time. And Notre Dame just flat out barely recruited the state for a long time. And occasionally they'd get a Julius Jones. But, like, they just didn't pay enough attention to the state. Once they started paying attention to it, that's one of the good things Notre Dame did early in Kelly's tenure is they started to pay more attention to the state of Virginia. You got a C.J. Procise. You got a Greer Martini. You know, even a guy like Darnell Yule, it didn't work out, but they went and they battled for him, right? And so uh, Virginia, to me, to your point, though, but Penn State, it, it's the same thing as we talked about with with earlier when Pennsylvania. Penn State's not the program they were under Joe Paterno mm-hmm. when they were having all that success. You know, when when kids – when I was coming up, right, in, the, in the, the late 90s, mid to late 90s, Penn State was just over a decade removed from a national championship. Like they had had years where they were a powerhouse program. I mean, you know, when I was coming up, I remember the team, the, the defensive team that they had when they had Courtney Brown and LeVar Arrington on the same defensive staff. When they were producing big time running backs every single year, I mean, they were putting dudes out, right? 
and they're not that program anymore, uh, in my opinion, you know? And so, and, and I think that's what we have to think about is if you're a junior in a college right now, and you look at the last five years, Notre Dame has been a significantly better program than Penn state. That's what these kids are going to be impacted by. Sean, you made the point about Detroit. Detroit kids are going to know what Notre Dame's been the last five years, and it's impressive. Dad's going to be the one that remembers the bus, mm-hmm. right? Dad's going to be the member that, that you know, uh, Rodney, Rodney Gallagher's dad, dad yeah. is going to have a better chance at remembering Rocket than Rodney Gallagher does. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So right. uh, I think it was who uh, Jalen Brown's dad, for example, is a big Rocket Ismail fan. I doubt Jalen Brown really knows who Rocket Ismail is, yeah. but his right. dad sure does. Uh, you know, so, so that, but that's the thing is like Penn state's not that team anymore. Right. And that's why another reason why I think Notre Dame needs to have more success. And it's why, you know, having a CJ pro size go in the third round, it's why going to, it's why getting the most out of Chris Tyree is going to be so important for them this year, because they got to say, hey, look, look, we've had some great athletes come to Notre Dame out of Virginia, yeah. going back to Julius Jones. Right. And now moving forward and it's CJ pro size. And then now Chris Tyree, and it's going to open up that thing. But look, there's going to be years where there's just not a kid from Virginia that makes sense for you. It's right. just there's going to be years like that. And that's why it can't just be Virginia. It's got to be D.C. It's got to be Virginia. It's got to be North Carolina. It's got to be that whole group. And D.C. especially is an area, Ryan, where Notre Dame has not has not put nearly enough attention in the D.C. area. And, right. and you're seeing Ohio State clean up in D.C. You're seeing Bama come up and clean up in D.C., Penn State's had some success in D.C. Michigan's had success in D.C. Notre Dame has barely touched it. And when they have tried to go there to get a kid, they've had great success. Cam Hart on the current team, the Sam Mustafer, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I, I would, I still wish they would have recruited P.J. Mustafer. I still think that was a mistake that they didn't push for P.J. You know, on the defensive line. They kept telling him that he was uh, uh, an, an offensive lineman. You know what I mean? Like, to me, that was that was a mistake, right? Yeah. And I, I, you know, the... Those are the mistakes. You can't have the miss of George Karloftis. You can't, right? You've got to evaluate that one properly. You can't have the misses of a PJ Mustafer, right? Like, w- what would we be thinking about the nose tackle position right now if Notre Dame was returning PJ Mustafer, right? And and yeah. so those are the things you can't have those unforced errors in those regions. But North DMV, North Carolina, and Atlanta are areas where you may not get 10, 12 kids a year. You may only get three or four a year from the entire region. Maybe let's I think a more reasonable number is at least five or six, right? When you consider DC, Virginia, North Carolina, and Atlanta, you should get five or six kids from that region a year. But what they're gonna end up being, if you're doing it right, is they're gonna be the top of the board guys for you. And I think the mistake that Notre Dame has made is they've gone down into Georgia in, in those areas at times and and gotten depth players. And I think your depth players need to come from your backyard. You know, your depth players need to come from Illinois, Michigan, Indiana, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Jersey. Because number one, those players are more likely to stay. I was going to say that. The more likely right? to stay. Yep. Right. And number two, there's going to be a little bit more. Um, it, to me, it's going to continue to build on the, the, you know, the, the, the bond uh, that you have with those regions. Right. And then because the thing is, if you miss on those kids, it can be just as damaging as hey, man, I was I was buddies with KJ Wallace and he went to Notre Dame and the guy never saw a field. Right. And then he transfers to Georgia Tech and he becomes a starter. You know, I mean, those things can hurt you, too. I liked KJ coming out of high school. That It's just use him as an example. But I think that's the thing, too, is when you go to those regions, you got to understand you're not going to get volume from that region. 
But when you go down there, you're going to go down there and get a dude. And I'm not talking about a dude that just is highly ranked like a Caleb Downs, but I view Tommy Tremble that way. I know for a fact Chip Long viewed Tommy Tremble as a dude. He did not view him as a three-star recruit. I don't care what the rankings say. I'm talking about what Notre Dame thinks. They thought he was a dude. And I think that's the kind of guy you need to get. It's the Caleb Downses. It's the Stephon Tuits. It's the Tommy Trumbles. It's the Chris Tyrese. It's the Romeo and Julian Aquaras. You got to go down there to get your dudes, you know? And um, that's, to me, that's going to be the key. That's going to be the key, in my opinion, in those regions. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. In those regions that are your foundation, how do you balance kids that are really eager to be a part, like Illinois kids, Indiana kids. Let's say Indiana kids that grow up in Indiana, grow up Notre Dame fans. They might be the backup kid on your board, mm-hmm. but they really, they really love Notre Dame. But how do you balance that from a recruiting standpoint? Because I find that very interesting. You talk about having that foundation with the bordering states, Indiana, Illinois, mm-hmm. Michigan, and Ohio. How do you balance kids that are have grown up, let's say no, they've watched Notre Dame go to two college football playoffs in the last five years. They love Notre Dame. How long do you make those kids wait? Um, I think it just depends on who you're who you're looking at on that board, John. I, I think I've always had this feeling: if it's close, you take the local kid. If okay. it's close, okay, that's interesting. But, but you have you have to be careful because you you don't want to fill up on those kids too early. Because here's the thing: if those kids really love you, they'll come whenever you when you open it up. Nick Martin was committed to Kentucky where I believe their dad went, right? Didn't the yeah. Martin's dad play at Kentucky? Mm-hmm. Yes, I believe so. And yep. he was committed to his dad's alma mater, but when Notre Dame came calling, it's a wrap. Sorry. Yeah. You know, uh, Drew Tranquil was committed to Purdue for the longest time and it was very hard, very hard for for Drew to say no to Purdue because he yeah. I mean, that's the kind of kid you're like that kid doesn't flip. Because yeah. he's a, he's just that type of high character kid. I gave my word, but even then, even for a kid like that, I can't pass up Notre Dame. Dame. Yeah, right. So you got you've got it. That's the thing is you've got to be honest with them. Because here's the thing is, if you start lying to these kids and you burn those bridges, you can't do that. Because then here's the thing: if you screw over a kid at one high school, you don't just burn that bridge because that coach is going to know this guy is going to know that yeah. guy is going to know this guy is going to know that guy, and all of a sudden you become that program. I think honesty is always the key. Hey, listen, we love you. But right now we just got, we've only got room for one kid in the class. And right now we got a couple kids ranked ahead of you, but look, stay with us. Right. Because look, this is the whole thing is 
you can't be afraid to lose a kid that you know you can get later. And this was kind of the issue that I had at times in in some previous classes where it's like, you know, why do you take that kid now? You can get that kid mm-hmm. in three months if you yeah. miss out, right? Yeah. And and I think that that is a thing where where you have to. It's a hard thing to juggle, Sean. But I've always felt like when when it's close, give me the local kid now. There's always caveats because the local kid may come from a kind of family background where you don't feel he's got the support system at home that's going to encourage him in a way that is going to lead to him having success in Notre Dame. We've seen some local Indiana kids that have come to Notre Dame and gotten in trouble or not handled it or whatever, where the kid from Georgia may have a come from a better background. He may have a coach that's more supportive, a family, parents are more supportive. So you always have to take those factors into consideration. But what I'm referring to is if all things are sort of equal in those areas and the skill level is similar, you Mm -hmm. take the local kid more often than not. That's what I think. And when I mean local, I mean the base. It's it's the it's the base region, your home yeah. area, Chicago, yeah. Notre Dame. I mean Indiana and the Ohio Catholic. It's it's the Michigan. It's the Indy. It's the Ohio. It's the it's the Pennsylvania. It's the Jersey. It's you know you know what I mean. Like if if you come down to it, and it's do you take the Jersey kid that you you know do you take a Don Schuler who's maybe the hundred fortieth best player in the country from Jersey, or do you take so and so from Georgia who's the eightieth best player in the country? And you had to convince him to come where Don Schuler's like, man, I'll crawl on glass to get to South Bend, Indiana. <laughs> yeah. Give me that kid. Give me that kid. Now, if a Don's a genuine three-star player, right? And not by what the by what we view. Let's say we all sat and say, you know, Don's a love the kid, but he's he he's probably a four-seven, right? Like he's he's probably gonna be a career backup. I'm not passing on the number 80 player in the country for that version of a Don Schuler. Yeah, right. Sure. He's gotta be a player. Adon's a dude because what mm-hmm. you're going to get from Adon is some of the intangibles, some yeah. of the commitment to Notre Dame. And again, Adon's a public school kid. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. not a private school kid, but nope. he's a fit at Notre Dame. And he's a kid, as you guys know, like uh, if that's the kind of kid that, like, yes, I want to go to Notre Dame because him, his dad, the fam, they understand that this is saying about football. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I feel like kids from Jersey, Ryan, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like kids from Jersey get that more just inherently than some kids from other areas because I think I don't know why part of me thinks it's because they are surrounded by so many of the good private schools and because there are you know some 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 these kids from these schools are going to you know these big time programs and they're coming back and they're making a lot of money and they're successful business people and they see what going to these big time act maybe it's that maybe it's the business I don't know what it is but I've always felt like the Jersey kids that got Notre Dame, it was a, it was a higher rate, like just right off the jump. It was a higher Mm -hmm. rate than maybe where you've got to convince a kid from Florida, what Notre Dame can do for him. Now that doesn't mean you're not going to find it. I mean, Keon Keeley got that. His family got that right away. It's just, we're, we're talking generalities like more often than not, this is going to be the case. That's kind of how I feel like, you know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong, Ryan, but that's, I mean, you're you're, you're from there. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I think especially when you're talking about the North Jersey section, right? Because like, like you right. guys kind of said before, well, that's where the talent like, is. I mean, well, no, it is. And yeah. There's no doubt about that. I'm a South Jersey recruit, guy. I recruited Jersey. Yeah. I mean, it's like mm-hmm. I'd have to drive two hours in between schools to find a kid that can play at yeah. Muhlenberg, much less Amen. Notre Dame in South Jersey. Now I'd I say, it. hey, look, you know what? I didn't find the kids. I'm gonna get head on over Atlantic City for a couple of days. There's no kids right here, but <laughs> you know that's kind of what I would do on my recruiting trips. But I'm kidding. 
but no, I mean, that's, but be honest, like central and then up to Northern Jersey is honestly where the majority of the New Jersey well, talent, it's, it's central, like other states. Central, central Jersey doesn't exist, Brian. Well, that's first and foremost. That does not exist. Yes, but, it does. <laughs> I yes, mean, it does. every once in a while, obviously you're going to find a Kelvin Harmon or a Jonathan right. Taylor down in South Jersey. But for the mm-hmm. most part, we're talking about St. Peter's prep, Don right. Bosco, Bergen Catholic, like those are the schools that you're talking about. And I think that it is, like you said, I think it's just, they've had so much success putting out those players to Michigan and Notre Dame. And, you know, because again, Rutgers is not a power in New Jersey. Right. It's not like Greg Schiano, too far away and not, not right. a power also. Exactly. Right. And Greg, Greg Schiano obviously did the fir- a good job, his first stint, keeping some of those talented players in New Jersey. But even at then it wasn't, you still weren't keeping the best players in New Jersey in the state of New Jersey. Right. Like that just wasn't going to happen. So they're getting recruited nationally. And I mean, the, uh, and again, if you're from New Jersey or if you've just been to New Jersey, like you just kind of stated, New- North Jersey and South Jersey are just completely different worlds. It's very, yeah. North Jersey is very much more industrial. It's much, much, many more private schools. You're right. Obviously, you're closer to New York than in South Jersey is comparative to like a Philadelphia. So I, I think it makes sense that they're very prepared because I just think that it's just something that they're used to. Like it's just something mm-hmm. it's an everyday type of type of situation for them, just how right. they're raised and just ha- kind of, I don't know. It's just, just kind of the atmosphere well, around there. I honestly. mean, like I, said, I coached at Muhlenberg college, which is a very high academic institution. I mean, we were in the same conferences as, as Franklin and Marshall and Johns Hopkins and Gettysburg. I mean, it was a big time academic school. We would recruit Northern Jersey as hard as anywhere we could recruit. I mean, and we could recruit Philly. We, I mean, that was a, like that was. I mean, my top two running backs, my All American running back was a Northern Jersey kid, Matt Bernardo. I mean, if that's not a Northern Jersey name of a kid, I mean, that yeah, I don't know what is right. Um, uh, you know, and and I just I, I feel like that's an area that that Notre Dame. It's surprising, like Notre Dame has got some kids from those areas, but they haven't gotten an they've missed on a, on way too many kids from Jersey. You know what I mean? Like if you look at like Don Bosco, they haven't got a kid from Bosco since what Elijah Shoemate in 2012, right? Bergen Catholic this year. I can't remember the last time they got a kid from Bergen Catholic until this year. when they got, when they got Angeli and Jaden Bellamy, Mm -hmm. you know, um, I'm trying to think, um, I'm trying to think like, uh, boss, like, uh, you've got, um, you got Bergen Catholic, you got Bosco, Paramus. I can't tell you the last time they got a kid from Paramus Catholic. You know, mm-hmm. um, St. Peter's did, Prep. Did, yeah, I was going to say they did well in St. Peter's Prep for right. a couple of years, and they haven't really been yeah, back. Yeah, two obviously. classes. I mean, you, yeah, you had yeah. Brandon Wimbush, and then you went back and had three in one year with the Adam Yolas and and and, um, and Shane Simon. But again, it's it's just it's been kind of strange. And you're seeing these kids going to Bama and going to Michigan and going to Ohio State, and you're like, you got to start getting some of these guys. And, you know, that th- th- those, again, you, if you're building your program around going down to the big schools, and let's just wrap up with this, there's, there's the big boy states, right? Just by sheer numbers, it's, it's like the star rankings. Like, yeah, you can find kids in Idaho. There's like five kids in the NFL from Idaho, but sure. you're going to have, you're, it's, you know, you're going to have a higher success rate recruiting the state of Florida, right? It's like, you know, five stars versus three stars. Florida, Texas, and California, to me, have always got to be important parts of what you're doing. Here's my question for you guys. How would you prioritize those three? Because I think you need to do that. I think you need to say which one is going to be more important for us than the others. And I, and I, I know what I want, and I know how I would rank it. I'm curious what you guys think and why. Of those three big boys, 
would you rank them and should California not even be counted in this? Should it be more of like the, 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 the mid Atlantic where Notre Dame should, it, it's a different type of state, you know, where you should maybe look at it differently, where it needs to be more of a base. What do yeah. you guys think, Ryan, I'll start with you. What do you sure. think about the big three? How would you rank them in the order of importance? And how important is it that Notre Dame recruit those areas? Meaning we all agree it's important to recruit those areas, right? Can we get that out of the way? Yeah. What I'm saying is how important, like, do you getting a kid or two? Do you need to get like five? Do you need to get six or seven from those areas? Those are the things that we talk about. So I want to get Ryan first, start with you, and then Sean will go to you as far as just how we view those regions. So, I mean, first and foremost, I do group them all together in the big boys, right? So I'm not separating California from them. I think that you have to have presence and, and high presence potentially in each th- in all three of them, to be mm-hmm. honest. Um, and I think that if I was prioritizing it, not based upon even the numbers that you put out there, I would say Florida most important for me. Mm-hmm. I, I just the obviously it's not close to South Bend, but it is closest of the three. I think it just makes sense um, to a degree. Notre Dame has had some success in Florida looking back at, you know, some of the players that they've gotten. And I mean, in this cycle, obviously they have Keon Keeley, who, you know, we, we obviously we're not big fans of on threes representation of, of the 2023 class, but they did have Keon Keeley as third ranked player. So good, good, good on them. Cedric Irvin Jr. Obviously is out of Florida as well. I think that Notre Dame has made that obviously a priority. I love the fact that it seems that Notre Dame is going very, very heavy. And this will be my number two is Texas. They are making it an absolute priority, especially on the wide receiver recruiting, right? Because obviously, and it makes sense, Chancey Stuckey at Baylor. He's been recruiting these guys now for a year. It's, I I agree, Mike. Thank you very much, man. (laughs) Don't, I, I need my wife to say that once in a while, but I appreciate that very much. Um, if she coach, says that to you, she's setting you – look, you're younger than Sean and I. I don't think you've been married as long as we have. We will both – if your wife says that to you, she's setting you up. She's setting you up for something else that's coming down the road that you're not going to like. So just get nervous. If your wife says that to you, it's going to be a problem. Now back to your that's Texas fair. conversation. Yes, yes, I'm sorry. Um, so Chancey Stuckey, of course, with, with the Baylor ties for a year. He has obviously great relationships with Braylon James out of Del Val, Jaden Greathouse out of Westlake, who are two of the top wide receiver targets on the board for Notre Dame. And they are making it an absolute priority. They have obviously Peyton Bowen, who's out of um, you know Denton Geyer, who is you know in my opinion a top fifty player in the class. I think he could border on five star status if he has an, if he has a great season. I think he's that type of athlete. So Notre Dame has made it clearly a priority. They would be my number two. California, I I I just think that the the numbers that you spoke right, I think it was like one sixty eight was was the number on California mm-hmm. comparative to high ones in, in the other two. The numbers are in that yeah, conversation. It's, it's and, 198, 189, yep. and then 168. Yep. So they're so it's in the ballpark. And I mean, what look at it. Florida's not very close to Notre Dame. Texas isn't very close to Notre Dame. California's not very close it, to Notre look, Dame. All so these it's not kids a are proximity on a plane. issue. Right. All right. these kids exactly. have to hop on a plane to get to Notre Dame. I exactly. Mean, that's the reality of it. And if so, you need, and yeah, and I just think if if the base, like you you mentioned, the base obviously to stay stay near the you know Ohio Catholic and right. the Indianas. You mentioned Indiana, though, obviously, like like the, these the states that you're in are not the greatest football bed for talent, sure. right? So you need to go in my get elite talent to the right. three elite states in the high school football. That's why I just think that they are in the same conversation for me. Why Florida number one? 
Besides, you mentioned just a little bit closer. I mean, it's again, it's a yeah. it's a no, twenty it's, minute it's, difference in flight, thirty minute difference yeah. in flight. So why is Florida the the number one for you? I I honestly don't know, Brian. To be honest with you, I, I don't have a great uh, uh, response. Kind of to it. I just feeling, I just like, when when I associate when, when I think of Florida, I associate Florida with speed, and I think that is a big yeah. point of emphasis that Notre Dame needs to improve on in multiple areas of their team. So. Yeah. If I'm going to, if I want speed in my high school football, in my opinion, I'm going down to the state of Florida. It's just mm-hmm. kind of what pops into my head when I think of Florida. I don't know if that's fair. I don't no, know if it's, that's it's, it's good. I mean, it, look, it's not about being fair or unfair. I just think it's about you could, you have to, you know, when you do all these things, I think there's always there's always merit to, to. I mean, it's not one. There's not a right or wrong answer in my view. I think it's just you. Whatever you decide, you have to have a reason for it. You know, and it could just be like like the thing I would say about Florida is I'd be willing to bet. And again, this is just my gut. I'd be willing to bet that if you look at Florida's number, which is not that much more than Texas, 192 to 189, and then California 168, that you'd see more receivers, corners coming out of Florida than the others. That's just my gut feeling. Right. And I could be wrong on that. Sure. That would be my gut. That would lead me to say maybe that's where you, you've got to go down to Florida to get some a couple of those guys that can just flat out run. That's my gut. Now I could be wrong. And I would if I was going to make a decision as a recruiting coordinator, I would actually look at the data to support that. But to support your case, I would I would go with that. Sean, what is how would you rank the big three? Now well, again, we all agree that they should recruit all three of these. We're not saying that they shouldn't. We're just trying to say what level of importance do you put on the big three? And of the three, how do you rank them? If you'd asked me this five years ago, it wouldn't have been close, but I still have California number one historically mm-hmm. because of what California means in Notre Dame and why they end the season in California mm-hmm. specifically. So those coaches can hit those schools that they have great connections with, specifically the Catholic schools, the De La Salle's. not so much modern day because modern day pretty much has become a feeder right into USC, but the relationships that have been built up over the years in that region, because Notre Dame is always out there at the end of their season and the talent, let's just be honest, just the talent and the quarterbacks that they continually produce in that state. I will put California number one. And that's after we've seen a migration from California of talent, go to states like Arizona and the right. We're going to talk about, we're going to talk about those two States at the end. We're going to talk about some sleeper areas that Notre Dame needs to look at. And even even with that, I still would have California number one because of those multiple, multiple reasons. If you're combining Florida and you're combining it with Georgia, I would put it number two. I I would not do that because if you've been to Florida, it is a whole other than Jacksonville, the rest of Florida is not like Georgia. This is this is what I would say. And we've had this discussion. Mm -hmm. We've talked, I've talked to multiple coaches that love the talent in Florida, but when they get them on campus, they're not coached up as well as you might think. Super talented, super fast, but what you have to go through to develop and get them up to speed from a coaching standpoint can be kind of a deterrent. This is why I'm going to bump Texas moving forward up to two and put Florida at three. And Cam McDaniel pointed this out to me. There's so much talent in Florida, and with the legacy program that Marcus Freeman has established, all of the guys that came up to Notre Dame from Texas are looking forward to putting on satellite camps to go and establish Notre Dame as a stronger imprint in the state of Texas. 
this is why I think Texas moving forward is going to be even more important. Even when you go back, Notre Dame believed Texas was important because they would take several of their games there to play. You know, uh, no, nah, I was about to call it the legacy game. It's not the Shamrock Series games. And they would play the Shamrock Series games down in Texas. They understood how important Texas was from a recruiting standpoint. So I'm going to elevate Texas because of the way the staff has recruited Texas and the way they're trying to recruit Texas. I think they've elevated Texas to that standpoint. So I'm going to go California one, Texas two, and then I'll have Florida in third. And that's not to say, that's not saying anything less of Florida from a recruiting mm -hmm. standpoint, because if you're going to get a key on key, you go get them. Right. Like if they're, and if there's another kid at that same level in Florida, you go get him. Mm -hmm. But I just think the relationships are a little bit stronger in Texas and California. So I'll leave those two at the top. I'm going to have a very interesting conversation with Rod Babers about this on Wednesday. Okay. And I am not saying this because of Rod Babers. I feel like Texas has to become number one now oh. moving forward. Nice. Here's here's why. You have to look at a lot of different factors when you're recruiting Notre Dame. The key out of these three states, what I'm looking for when I'm going to Texas, California, and Florida, what I'm looking for is I'm looking for guys that are elite players or elite upside that are going to be difference makers early. That's where you find your you're a player when you step foot on campus. It's and this is where you can throw Georgia into the conversation, Sean, in that that's also a state where I'm looking for those dudes. Mm -hmm. Right. And and Louisiana would be like that. If you're going to go down to Louisiana, you're going to get a kid that you think can play right away. Because if you don't, you're going to have what happened with Logan Diggs. If Logan Diggs, if Chris Tyree doesn't get hurt, Logan Diggs, I think is gone. Yeah. Right. Because you can't bring a kid up from from Louisiana and not play him. Right. Yeah. Uh, so that's where you're getting your 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 you know, I, you're going for the guys that have really high ceilings, whether they're highly ranked or not. They're the really high ceiling guys that can help you ideally help you early on that doesn't mean you don't find the occasional Durham Smythe and that's fine you can go yeah. get those kids from there you don't turn those kids down but it's like this is what you're really looking for and you go it's the Peyton Bowens it's the Keon Keeley's it's those kind of guys the reason I think Texas needs to become a priority is because you have if you're going to do recruiting properly you have to be willing to look at the things that impact why are there best the best recruits more recruits from there and a lot of it has to do with population shifts and to me yes you make California priority but there's a lot of people leaving California for Texas and it may not ma it may not matter in 2023, but by 2029, it will. Yeah. Right. It's same yeah. thing with like Arizona. Uh, I think you also have to look at what are the school systems like that are, that your, that your kids are going from this state to that state. If you compare the three States, there's a lot more of the private schools in Texas and California that I think better prepare kids to handle the academic rigors of Notre Dame than you see in Florida. This is why Keon Keeley is such a unique player because he actually goes to one of those schools in Florida that prepares you. But there, if you look at the school systems and, and every study I've ever seen shows this, this is something I had to look into when I was recruiting the, the state of Florida is it is not a great state when it comes to public education. It's just not. And a lot of kids from Florida aren't, being given the tools they need to be successful in college. And, and you've, it means there's going to be a lot of kids that maybe have the right GPA, but have they been given the resources in regards to how to maximize the intelligence they may have? Yeah. 
it's a it's a more of a battle. It's more of a struggle for me. And that's been played out at Notre Dame. Think about all the kids from Florida. How many of those kids have gotten in a lot of trouble their first two years on campus? I I mean, it's almost almost all of them. Yeah. I mean, Dex, Tavon, Stefferson, Lynch. I mean, even Justin Ferguson, who wasn't even a big-time recruit, got Kevin Austin. I mean, it, and the funny thing is the kid that came from the roughest area, Joe Wilkins, has been exactly the kind of Notre Dame kid you look for, right? But for the most part, a lot of those kids that there's been – Spencer Boyd came here, left after a year. Like, it, it just it says, has been a problem with Florida. It just, it just is because I think a lot of these kids are – it's a big shock in my opinion, going from a public school in the state of Florida to to Indiana or to Notre Dame, whereas a kid from Denton Geyer is not going to have as much big of a problem. Now, Texas doesn't have, like, you know, the the public schools at some other big time, but it's it's pretty good. Yeah. And and I think Cal – and there's so many kids that – I mean, the other thing, too, is I feel like Florida actually has better athletes than Texas. But I feel like, to your guys' point or to Sean's point – the, the coaching in Texas is, is dramatically better. The preparation in Texas is dramatic. I mean, these kids from Florida just kind of show up and they're just really athletic and you got to teach them how to play because the, unfortunately they don't pay coaches well. I mean, you're seeing, seeing coaches from Florida leaving constantly to get jobs in other States, yeah. you know, coaches, the, the best coaches are getting poached out of Florida because you just can't pay them. They're just not paying them in Texas. I mean, there's, there's high school head coaches in Texas that wouldn't take a division one job as a position coach, because it'd be a pay cut. You know yeah. what I mean? And, you know, you look at the facilities they go to. I mean, it's insane. I mean, there's kids in high schools in Texas that go to the D1 programs and are like, man, your facilities aren't as good as what we had in high school. So if the goal is to look for guys that are ready-made, guys are going to come and play in day one, there's a lot of things you got to overcome with some of these Florida kids that you don't in Texas. And the reason I would say Texas is I think Texas, of all the big states, has the most potential to give you more volume on a consistent basis. Where Florida, you're going to get a Keon Keeley. You're going to get a Cedric Irvin. You may, in some years, get three or four kids occasionally. There's also going to be years where you get nothing from Florida. I think if you do Texas right, you can get minimum two to three kids every year and occasionally get five or six kids from Texas. I believe you can get to that if you make it a priority year after year after year. And Texas and Florida are states where there's more and more people moving to those states. So that's partly why they're my one and two. California's bleeding population, right? It just It's just a fact, okay? This is not making a political statement. I'm making a statement of fact. And when you consider how difficult it's been to get those kids to leave the West Coast, and I'm going to say something else that that some people may not like, but I think West Coast kids tend to be a little – less passionate about things sean what's the word i'm looking for here i don't want to say it laxed we'll say laxed soft oh (laughs) you know know, it just i i often wonder like does that kid really love the game or is he just like hey bro let's go surfing and let you know that's kind of always been my vibe and some of it's unfair and there's some kids from california that are absolute monsters i just would be a little more careful about California being as important as Texas moving forward because of all those factors, right? Yeah. Like you said, I mean, the, the best state in the, the best school in the state, you're, you're you have like no shot at getting a kid from. 
modern day. I mean, just almost no shot. No shot. Right? Yeah. I mean, you had a kid committed and he leaves you to go sign with a school in a four and eight last year. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And complains yeah. about the pass game, even though you were like 30, 40 yards per game more passing this year than when he committed to you. Right. Um, you have no chance. I mean, unless you're Bama, I mean, maybe down the road, if Notre Dame does what Bama does, they can get a Bryce Young. But let's be honest. If, if, USC was USC. Bryce Young doesn't decommit from USC to go to Alabama. Right. But can we, I mean, can we, can we be uh, honest about that? Right. Yeah. So I just feel like when I, when I look out at California, yes, you recruit California, but it, to me, I treat California a lot like Florida, very targeted. I want that guy. I want Isaiah Foskey. I want Keon Keeley where Texas almost becomes sort of like a, we're going down there for those guys and we're going down there to find some depth guys because there's so many kids. And the other thing too, is you've got Texas and A&M and Oklahoma, right? But I feel like there's a lot of kids from Texas that aren't from Texas, right? They're not born and raised in Texas, or they're not maybe beholden to the in-state schools like they were 20 years ago when kids from Texas were born and bred from Texas. So I just feel like, and I'm going to ask Rod Babers about this, and I'm really curious what his his thoughts is because he's from Texas. He went to the University of Texas. He he lives in Texas now, and we've had some really interesting conversations about this. And I'm going to really push to kind of see what his belief is. But I feel like Texas is an area where you can actually get volume plus impact players if you do it right. You can get a Peyton. I mean, think about this year, guys. I mean, let's let's look at this. Let's look at Notre Dame's offer sheet and and say who. So right now, Notre Dame has two kids from the state of Florida, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Who from the state of Florida right now do you think Notre Dame will get? I will say I think if they wanted him, I think they'd have a shot to get King Mac. Do you agree with that? Yes. Who else from the state of Florida do you think Notre Dame right now has a chance to go down and get right now? Well, add to that list. I, I don't know if he's originally a Florida kid or not, but he's at IMG. Samuel and Pemba seem to be in a good. Let's spot go with that are from there. Like to me, like so. Yeah. Robert Haynes, he's not a Florida kid; he's a Pittsburgh kid, and Pemba's a St. Yeah. Louis kid, right? right? Carnell's a Chicago kid. So let's try and like kind of look at it like, like that way. But I agree with you about Pemba, by the way. Yes. Um, I mean, you're not going to get Tyler Williams, no, right? Jalen Brown's gonna, unlikely. Yeah. Right. You're not going to get you know Richard Young or. Tryon mm-hmm. Webb or Brandon mm-hmm. Ennis, right? I mean, you're not like I think I said Tyler Williams. Mm-hmm. You, you know, I just I don't see a lot of those guys looking at Notre Dame. You look at Texas, and right now, Texas, you've got what one commit from the state, right? Peyton Bowen, yep. But I say, like, man, I see Notre Dame getting having a chance to get several kids from Texas in this cycle. I agree. I mean, I think they had they could have got Jackson Arnold if they wanted him, right? Yeah, they didn't. I mean, well, they did. You get what I'm saying, right? You've got yep. Jaden Greathouse, which I don't think they're going to get, but I think they got a shot at. I, I, I would if I was making a prediction for the Notre Dame class right now, absolutely have Braylon James in it. Yeah, right, Ryan. If Notre Dame wanted Ryan Yates, I think he commits to Notre Dame. Would you agree with that? I, I agree 100 percent of that. Yes. Okay. Yep. Um, and I think it's big. Obviously, I, I agree with your, your the opinion on Jaden Greathouse, but I mean, getting him on campus a couple yeah. times over the next few months is going to be par- yeah. going to be huge for them. So I, I think Darren Gallette, Darian Gallette, they have a legitimate chance with they can get him on campus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we have already talked about Peyton Bowen as a guy. Malik Muhammad seems to have interest. Braxton Myers has interest in Notre Dame. Like, 
Um, they're talking about maybe getting a visit from uh, the 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 Toviano kid. Who again, I'll believe that when I see it, right? But yeah, the point is, there's some legit dudes from the state of Texas that have legitimate legitimate interest in Notre Dame. Where in Florida, it's like you almost got about a thousand to get four guys, right? Yeah. And so, because there's just a different Notre Dame is viewed differently in Texas than it is in Florida, it just is. The other part of it is, is once you get outside of Texas, Oklahoma, and A&M, you got to go some distance, unless you're from Houston, then LSU is not that far away. But if you're a Dallas, Fort Worth kid, or where a lot of the kids come from, there's some distance to go to some of those other schools. You got to hop on a plane to go to Bama. You got to hop on a plane to go to Florida. Wherein, if you're from Florida, Alabama, I mean, think about all the schools that are right there. If you're in Florida, that Notre Dame's got to go beat, right? And so I feel like also the emphasis on academics, you're finding more kids in Texas that understand the value. And Sean, you may, may, may talk to Cam about this next time. I just feel like from recovering recruiting that you find more kids from Texas that view Notre Dame positive because of the academics where some of these Florida kids were picking Notre Dame for football. Aaron Lynch picked Notre Dame for one reason and one reason only, football. Kevin Austin picked Notre Dame for football. His mom picked like Notre Dame for the other stuff, but Kevin didn't necessarily value that, right? Spencer Boyd, a lot of these kids who came to Notre Dame, it was for football. Where I think Texas kids tend to look at it a little bit differently. That's another reason why I would put I would put Texas number one. I'd go Florida too because you you've got to you've just got to be able to get some kids from Florida. You, you've got to be able to get you're you've got to be able to get Keon Keeley, right? I think you're going to have a better shot of finding a Keon Keeley than you are of going out and getting a Corey Foreman or a Kayvon Thibodeau or a guy like that, right? So California to me would be third, and I would almost make California like the list we talked about with like Georgia, where it's targeted. You go find a kid you like. California to me is just, it's not what it was. Sean, your point about tradition made a ton of sense, but I just feel like, Because so many of those kids stay west, Oregon's an option. Arizona's, I mean, um, uh, Washington's an option, USC, UCLA. And if those kids are leaving, they're going to football schools, right? Like football schools, you know what I mean? Like they're going to Bama. They're, you know, I just feel like Texas is an area where you could really steal some dudes, especially if you start winning, you know, and you go out and go to the playoff again or you win a championship. I mean, look what Ohio State's done down in Texas. Good Lord. Yeah. I mean, think about the receiving core they've been able to put together from the state of Texas. And if you look at the recruitments, they sold the academic piece really well. Now, we could argue whether that's legit or not, but they went down there with guys like Garrett Wilson, and they preached about what we can do for you off the field as well. That worked for Garrett Wilson. Unfortunately, Notre Dame wasn't in a position to do that. But three, four years from now, if you can build the offense where it needs to be, maybe even two, three years from now, get a Dante Moore. Now, all of a sudden, you can go be a player for Garrett Wilson. Mm-hmm. You can go down there and be a player for some of these kids from Texas that they're getting. And and to me, that is that is something that I view as saying, hey, that's an area where Notre Dame could really have some big-time success from impact players plus volume. What do you guys think about that? For volume? I think the only reason I would put Florida – the bottom at the bottom, and I, you know what, I don't have a problem with Texas being number one, especially after talking to some of the former players and their interests, and actually establishing Notre Dame as a prominent program in that area through the legacy program. I'm all for 
totally agree with what you just said. California, for me, like I said, for multiple reasons, the connections, especially to the Catholic schools in that state, the reason why historically Notre Dame purposely schedules to be in California at the end of the year and purposely wants their coaches out there to recruit. And the fact that three early enrollees are from the state of California, like right now on campus. So I just think looking at possibly how the coaches have been looking at it, I think Florida will be the state that you go get the top guy. And if you get one, if you get a second guy in that cycle, Mm -hmm. it's a great year in the state of Florida. Notre Dame expects to get three to four kids out of California every year. I think that's the expectation. It might not be the modern day guys, but you have Servite, you have Centennial, you have, um, like I said, De La Salle. You have those three schools that have great athletes as well. And the programs, there's really not that much difference between modern day and those programs. Those mm-hmm. those programs compete right. with modern day pretty well. Well, you look at Centennial where they got Javon McKinley and Jaden Mickey, you know, yeah. obviously Bishop, Al- Bishop Alameda, Junior Jalamaca. I think California has to again. These are important states. Yeah, but to me, it's like two, three years, two, three guys a year, one to two out of Florida. Sometimes none. I think Texas can be a state where you get more than two or three guys. Oh, a year. That's oh, that's where I'm coming from. Yeah. Now, some yeah. of those guys are going to be depth players. Some of those guys are going to be a Durham Smythe, the Nano Sathamensas, right? Like they're not all going to be dudes. Uh, so that's part of it. And occasionally you're going to have a big year out of California. I just don't think it's, it's going to necessarily be a year where it's consistent. Now, here's a, here's a, here's a question for you guys. There's a couple sleeper areas that aren't known for producing a lot of football players. And if you look at the list that you got from the NFL, again, the NFL is talking about what's produced now, but there's a couple areas that I think are very underrated and starting to really produce a lot of NFL players. There were over 20 players in the in the start the NFL season, over 20 from the state of Arizona. And that state is starting to see a you know again, you have to study geography, you have to study population shifts when you look at this. Like every time a census comes out, you say, "Boy, that state just gained two or three electoral votes." Why does that matter? That do you know how many people have to move to your state since the last census for you to gain two or three electoral votes? Or to lose two or three electoral votes. Yeah. You know, like somebody asked me, is like, well, how do you I said go go look at go look at like the 1984 election, right? Or the 1980 election, which is you know 30, 40 years ago, and see how many electoral votes Ohio had and Pennsylvania had and Illinois. I mean, they were high, right? Texas wasn't very high, Florida was down, Georgia was down. Those were mostly rural areas, but those states have all built up as Ohio's in the teens now. You know, I mean, Pennsylvania, I think, has gotten down to that level, too. I think where they're like high teens, early 20s, right? They're not the big, big population states that they used to be. And so you have to follow that. And Arizona is one of those areas that's benefiting. It's not just Texas benefiting from the from the people leaving California. Arizona's getting a ton of it. I mean, we were out in Arizona for the Fiesta Bowl. And I, the last time I was out there was when Notre Dame played Ohio State back in the 2015 season. And I got to tell you guys, like, there's so many new neighborhoods that are not there now than when I was out there just five, six years ago. You know what I mean? It's it's like, wow, this place is booming. And you look at the talent. I mean, there's some big time players. I mean, Benjamin Morrison, Tosh Baker. You've got the the kid that they offered the other day, right? Elijah Page. There's some really good football players starting to come out of the state of Arizona. 
And I think that if you're going to recruit California, if you're like to me, I would not even, it wouldn't even be about California. I would just kind of throw the West coast all into one category. That, that's I what I was say, going to ask, Brian. Would you yeah. throw like the Vegas even out yeah. to California? I would say you got to get four or five West Coast kids a year. So last year, you only got two kids from California, right? But I'm throwing Tobias Merriweather into that conversation. I'm throwing right. uh, Benjamin Morrison into that conversation, right? So that right there, that's four kids that they got last year from the West Coast off just the top of my head, right? And I'm, I'm trying to look at their – so you got Merriweather, you got Benjamin Morrison, you got Junior Tui Alamaka. You got Jaden Mickey. Mm-hmm. See, yeah, that's yeah. So that's the four. That's the four you got there, right? Uh, there's years where you can get five or six West Coast guys if you guys throw in Nevada. So this year you yeah. got Justin Rett, sure. right? I count that as a West Coast pickup, right? And so to me, that's more of how I would view the West Coast as opposed to just California, because as California loses people, where are they going? They're not all leaving in this, the time zone, right? Or two time zones. They're not coming to Ohio and only Florida. Only they're going to Arizona. Yeah, they're going to Utah. They're going to Oregon. They're going to Washington. They're going to Nevada. They're going to some of these other states that are kind of Colorado, for example. It, you know, again, you want to t- look at you know political shifts to point this out. Colorado used to be a very conservative, rural Republican state. Now it's a it's a blue state, right? Why? Because it's we've seen a mass migration from California. So population has gone up, right? And politics change, which doesn't really matter to this conversation. But again, I'm I'm pointing out that where are they coming from? They're not moving to Colorado from New York or Massachusetts, those blue states. They're moving there from California, right? And so again, it's about you've got to be able to if you're really gonna have a long-term view of this, you have to be able to monitor those things. Like so that's why to me, to your point, Ryan, Washington. Nevada, Arizona, Utah to a degree, all those states are going to become sort of one thing for me. And if I'm looking for num- the numbers that I used to think I could get out of California, like you used to be able to get like five, six dudes a year out of California. I don't see that happening, right? Especially now that Lincoln Riley's at, at USC. Got to, we got Notre Dame hasn't been getting five or six out of the year when they've had to go against Clay Helton, Right. I mean, they, they couldn't beat USC for – I mean, C.J. Williams is on the verge of flipping to USC when they didn't have a head coach. Yeah. Think about that. You know what I mean? So go out and find the Tobias Merriweathers. I don't care if he's from L.A. or Washington or Arizona or Nevada. Go out and get Justin Retz. I don't care whether he's from Modern Day or he's from Bishop Gorman, which has been a good school to Notre Dame, right? And so that, to me, is kind of how I would view it. As, as we kind of wrap this up. And I think one other state that I think we need, one other area is I like that Notre Dame is starting to get more and more into St. Louis. You're starting to see more and more kids from the St. Louis area that are like, it used to be Sean where there was talent there, but you couldn't get any of those kids into school. No, no. That's changing. It's changing. That's changing in a big way. And it's good yeah. for Notre Dame in my opinion. It used to be all big 12, big 12 has yeah. St. Louis on lock with some, you know, some SEC teams mixed in, but what you're trying to see is you're trying to see Notre Dame really, really putting their foot down yeah. in that region, getting in good with the coaches mm-hmm. and the particular programs. Right. I think in the next two cycles, the introduction or to get into the club, Notre Dame paid the door charge. Mm-hmm. 24 cycle, they're going to be VIP. Yeah. Because they've mm-hmm. gone through the process now. Right. 
They're going to walk in. They're going to be VIP, have better access, and a much right. better shot. And it's partly because you've got the kid. You've got yep. Kyron. You've got Gabriel Rubio. You've got yep. Tyson Ford. Yep. Now you've opened it. Like you said, that's what gets you in the door. Mm-hmm. And then you've built those relationships. Now you can really start to have some an impact with some of those guys. So, yep. uh, Sean, I know you got to run. I do. Uh, but uh, – Guys, I've really enjoyed this conversation. I think this is a lot of fun. I I think the point being that we can all agree on is that there needs to be a very clear plan. And one thing that has to absolutely change is the Midwest and Northeast has to become a bigger priority for Notre Dame. I think the, the, the hires that Marcus Freeman made leads me to believe that they plan that that's going to be part of the plan. You also can't abandon the Southeast and Texas and the West Coast at the expense of it. It has to be a holistic plan. Your 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 volume is going to come from the Midwest and the Northeast. Your impact a lot of times is going to come from the Southwest and the Southeast and the Mid-Atlantic. I think, but it's got to be very strategic when they go about it. And and so I think I, I hope that they are going to become more organized in that regard. I think that's been an issue in the past. They just kind of just kind of going to get guys. It wasn't like a clear strategy. Hey, they'll go to New Jersey if it's the right kind of kid, but eh, not, you know, whereas I think when you look at like Harry, he stand recruiting the offensive line, he's tended to stay in certain regions. And then occasionally he'd go get a guy that he might want from outside that region. Occasionally he would go down to Florida and get a kid. Occasionally he's going to go down to the Carolinas and get a Monroe Freeling, right? Occasionally he's going to go out to the West coast and get an Aaron Banks, but his bread and butter is going to be the regions we talked about. Very purposeful in that regards, right? And so I think as a whole team, a whole staff, that needs to be a part of it. So uh, we're going to see if they're going to carry that out that way. And I'm really looking forward to the to what Rod Babers is going to say about Texas because I I'm I, I'm I have some very strong, as you guys saw, I have some very strong opinions on the importance of Texas to Notre Dame's future in that regard. And so um, anything to add, guys, before we get out of here. No, the buzz is crazy about Notre Dame. Ryan, I know mm-hmm. you talk to a lot more kids, but I know locally in these states, in Indiana, Illinois, even going over to Ohio and Michigan, the buzz right now for Notre Dame over the next two, three recruiting cycles is at an all-time high. Is at an mm-hmm. all-time high. There's a lot to be excited about as a fan base. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, and I'm just excited about again. I feel like we keep talking about it a little bit, but there's been a change in ideology when it talks when it comes to recruiting and how Notre Dame is is um, tackling some of those some mm-hmm. of those things. And I, it's exciting, honestly, that because I, I feel like Texas was not a player for Notre Dame much, you know, over recent years, and then all of a sudden you have the Braylon James, the Jalen Greathouse, the because they didn't try. Boa. Exactly, that's the thing. They didn't that, try. That's the, that's the ideology shift, though. That's what yeah, I'm talking about, right? Yeah. And and it's it's like wow, wow, kids from Texas really like Notre Dame. Wow. They've always would have liked Notre Dame. It's just yeah. you you didn't try to go down there. There was no, there was no. Well, we don't have anyone from Texas. I don't care. Then have someone from Indiana that's from there. Go establish those relationships in Texas. I mean, it just so it 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 has to be intentional, right? It it, it takes work. And Sean, I think the thing you mentioned about there's a lot of buzz about Notre Dame is Marcus Freeman. I believe timing is important, guys. I believe that Nick Saban came to the to Alabama at just the right time where him being a great coach with some of the things going on in the SEC just really set up nicely for him to do what he's done. I think, you know, I, I think there's a lot of different things that kind of go into this. You know, you, you and timing is important. And I think Marcus Freeman stepping into Notre Dame at the right time where his charisma and his talent, his ability 
is going to make a lot of buzz, Sean. But you know what else also has created a lot of buzz? Notre Dame's been really good for five years, which means the formative years of these kids' lives, have they've only known Notre Dame of being at, at least really good. Not yeah. on Alabama's level, not on that, but they're 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 really good. Right. These kids have grown up. These kids didn't grow up with 2011, 2010. These kids don't know who the heck Charlie Weiss was. Right. They don't know who Ty Willingham was. They don't know who Bob Davey was. They don't know that era. Of, they know the era of Notre Dame football, which in five of the last six years has been a 10 plus one football team. Oh, I'm sorry. Six of the 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 20. Six of the last seven years has been a 10 plus one football team. And five straight years has won at least 10 games. Yeah. Right. That's what they know. You combine that with the jump in NFL production, and then you add this recruiting staff that I think Marcus Freeman's put together, I think that's where you start to say this thing could could be special. But they're never going to maximize their potential as a program or recruiting if there's not a strategy in place. And that's what that's what we're going to find out. And that's what this discussion was about. So great stuff, guys. Love it, love it, love it, love it. Appreciate you all. Just a heads up for everybody. I just got a text from my dad. Um, the doctors came out, talked to him. My mom's surgery took a lot longer than they thought, but she got out of it. Um, she's good. Uh, they had to do some more repairing of her insides than they thought, but, um, she's out and she's in recovery. She's going to be in the hospital for about four days. Uh, really, really appreciate all the prayers. And obviously she can continue to, to needs them. I'll be flying home Thursday. Uh, she's going to get out of the hospital on Friday. So I'll be there to kind of help take care of her for about a week. And, um, so, uh, Really appreciate all the prayers, but a lot of people have asked and texted about, you know, what's the latest with her. So she is finally out of surgery, went um, almost five hours. So about an hour longer than expected, uh, but um, she's out. So thanks everybody for, and Ryan and Sean had both been prepped. Like if I bail, you guys got to just take over, you know, if I got some bad news, but thank God I did not genuinely thank God that I did not. So um, anyway, so for Sean, for Ryan, I'm Brian. Hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, hit the notifications bell, share our podcast, sign up for the message boards, and of course, come back and join us tomorrow. We appreciate y'all very, very much. Thank you for being a part of the Irish Breakdown podcast.
Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.